This is the movie Hall of Fame class of Wes Anderson for Monday, October 18th, 2021. There he is across the table from me, my boy Adam Hall. And on the other line, I would say the third co-host of this podcast, maybe, (laughs) but certainly not for long. Jabril Mahmood. (laughs) There he is. What's up, everybody? J-Man. How's it going? This man has hey. the, the shortest contracts of anybody I've ever met. <laughs> <laughs> they come and go. They end after the show is done. <laughs> uh, Jay. Mm-hmm. So here's what happened. You reserved okay. this show months in advance. We've talked a lot of Wes Anderson, me and Adam, over the years. Yeah. Really, like mm-hmm. since the beginning of our friendship together, we've been arguing about Wes Anderson. It's, a, it's mm-hmm. a tale as old as time, right? But you decided, being a person that has listened to nearly every episode of this show, you know the storied and prickly history of Wes Anderson on the Movie Hall of Fame. Yet, you still decided that you wanted to come on and talk about every single one of his movies, <laughs> beat a dead horse like no horse has ever been beaten before. Since the fucking horses on the set of the HBO show Luck, no show, no horse has ever been beaten as much as as Wes Anderson on this podcast. And again, months ago, months ago, you suggested doing this. You said, I want to reserve my spot. Let it be known right now. October 2021. I'm coming on. We're talking about Wes Anderson. What do you have to say for yourself, sir? Hi. Hello. I'm happy you're here. I'm glad you, you came to us with this idea. <laughs> I, he's one of the last. I, I'll, I'll I'll say this. I know, Nico, you're generally not a fan of him or you have your issues with him. But he's one of the last, like, mainstream auteurs that's still making interesting films and gets them released theatrically. And he's like, besides Nolan, besides Scorsese, besides Fincher, well, Fincher's on Netflix now. Anderson is... One of the only idiosyncratic mainstream American filmmakers left still making interesting films. Yes. American filmmakers. You you do have to specify Yes, American. I think there's plenty of auteurs out there, but if we're talking about American auteurs, yeah, it's a little slimmer than usual for sure. Uh, Now, yeah, I would actually agree with pretty much everything you just said. I think with most people – I I don't know if this is even true. I was going to say your mileage may vary, but I think most people love Wes Anderson. I, yeah. I show Wes Anderson frequently to people, and the response is pretty unanimously like, we love this guy. We just, we get it. Yeah, okay. <laughs> so there is that. And it's interesting that, like, those quirks appeal to such a broad variety of people, because I wouldn't assume that they would, because they can be very strange, particularly with something like Isle of Dogs, which I'm sure we'll get to. But, you know, yeah, like, somehow the guy just has this weird charm that connects to people, certainly connects to me, certainly connects to you. Uh, and I guess where we're going to butt heads on this is, uh, Wes Anderson's own range. Cause, yeah. Cause that's the thing that Nico mm-hmm. comes down on a lot. I happen to disagree with it, but you know. Yeah. I, I think, um, I, I've had, I guess, similar experiences if I've shown Wes Anderson movies to people for the first time, or I've recommended them for the first time, because I, I, I think I'll just say this at the start. The idea that I'm a Wes Anderson hater, I don't think is 100% accurate. I think I am critical of late period Wes Anderson because he's sort of become a parody of himself. I I actually really like early period Wes Anderson. One of the movies on this list is among my favorite movies ever made. Um, So, 
yeah, I mean, I've recommended it to people in the past, and I think in general, um, you know, people have embraced his movies. Um, I think it depends on where you start. Um, because generally the first Wes Anderson movie that you see is a Wes Anderson movie that you really like. Um, because you're hundred percent right. Both of you, he is incredibly idiosyncratic. He is marching to the beat of his own drum at all times. Um, you know, it feels like early on in his career, he, uh, got a lot of the critical acclaim, but certainly didn't do well at the box office was not given the sort of budgets that, uh, a man of his stature and, and caliber deserved. Um, and then later on, it, it feels like everybody sort of embraced him, but you know, I, I just fall back on like, this man has one trick that he does really well. And the trick has gotten really old. I mean, it's only, there's only so many, uh, so many fucking movies with, with fucking, uh, like kids in like mustard orange jumpsuits and fucking uh and, and and characters that speak in the new yorker font that, that a man can tolerate and i've just reached that breaking point with him the first wes anderson movie we'll talk about it in a second i really liked the, the one that i saw at least first i really liked i'm like wow this is unlike anything i've ever seen before mm-hmm. movies can be this mm-hmm. um and he's an, an important filmmaker for that very reason Uh, But I think the best filmmakers reinvent themselves. The best filmmakers evolve. The best filmmakers develop new tricks and sort of mature into different sensibilities and different styles. And, you know, that's not to say like Martin Scorsese, for example, hasn't maintained some of the same stylistic choices from the 70s, right? Like he's really interested Mm -hmm. in in, uh, single takes. He's really interested in like a lot of pans and zooms. Um, You know, he the, the, the pace of his movies are... Are, uh, are lightning fast and Thelma Shoemaker is one of the most interesting editors to ever live. But yeah, there are all the same tricks, but The Irishman is a very different movie than Goodfellas and Goodfellas is a very different movie than Taxi Driver. But I look at Wes Anderson's movies and I'm like, is the Royal Tenenbaums that much different than Isle of Dogs? Not really. Um, I guess that's where we'll disagree. <laughs> yeah, and I guess that's going to be the the bottom line here. And the other thing is, it's, it's just not my thing. It's not my sure. vibe. It's not my aesthetic. And I... I have no other defense other than that. People obviously love his movies and I'm not going to rain on everybody's parade here, but um, yeah. 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 I don't know. What? I don't know. <laughs> well, I was, I was going to say like the, the, the notion of a director changing styles. Like, I don't know if that's a hundred percent accurate. I mean, I compare it to like something like, I don't know, like Godard is still making Godard films and then like Kubrick till he died made Kubrick films and Hitchcock very much so kept making Hitchcock films. That one almost to a fault in my opinion, but I agree with that. Uh, but that doesn't mean they were bad movies. And that also doesn't mean that the stories were identical from one another. And I, I, I think what's more important to me than anything is that a director, instead of trying to like craft an identity, just naturally comes to it and just their, their love for telling stories. That's generally what happens. You know, that's where the Villeneuve's come in or the Finchers come in. And even though there's like lots of similarities in terms of just their artistic expression you know i still think like every like those characters movies are very different from the last and i would actually happen to agree on re-watching a bunch of these movies they not one of them felt the same to me i'll tell you that okay not one of them felt the same at all particularly and to your point too i mean if we're talking about the evolution of a director i mean wes anderson's earlier works 
are very, to my opinion, very different from Isla Dogs. I really don't agree oh, yeah. with that, with the idea that Royal Tenenbaums is the same as Isla Dogs or that, you know, uh, even, or how about this, though? Even the difference between Fantastic Mr. Fox and Isle of Dogs, completely different, in my opinion. In some ways, yes. In some ways, no. And by the way, I'm not pushing up against style or voice, obviously. Yeah. Like, every auteur, in, you know, in, since the inception of film has... Sure, it demonstrated a, a certain uh, stylistic choices and like certain running motifs or whatever. Like I'm, I'm not saying that. Like fucking Tarantino puts feet in every single movie, and like we get it. Like it's becoming a little old for some people, yeah. but it's his voice, it's his style, yes. and of course he's allowed to do that. I, I just feel like the the formula here has, uh, in some ways, hurt uh, the approach, the material. <laughs> so in other words. The style has become the star of the movies. Ironically enough, as the casts have gotten bigger and as the names have gotten more high profile, as Meryl Streep starts doing his movies and you know, Bill Murray's been doing it since the beginning, but like, you know, Timothy Chalabay is now going to star in a movie. Mm. Like, high, high caliber stars, the more of them there are in the movies, the less I seem to identify with the characters. <laughs> and I think like that's part of the problem. It seems like he's. He's gotten so married to the style that his characters have just sort of become cogs in the wheel. And his later period movies, I find just very cold. I just find them cold. Some of them. You know, I, I just find it really distant and I have a hard time sinking my teeth into these stories and into these characters because the Wes Anderson of it all has to be the star of the show. <laughs> um, and yeah, I mean, I don't know. Like, and I'm just going to disagree with everybody's ranking i just know i mean i have a very clear ranking in my head like these are the movies that moved me these are the ones that don't but like at the end of the day i don't think like filmmaking is that complicated like you're either going for a laugh you're going for a scare you're going for a cry you're going for a thrill right yeah. and it just well, feels I mean, there's, like there, there's a lot of middle ground i would say it's a bit more than just yeah. that kind of binary you know i look for a thousand things in a movie certainly <laughs> yeah, no, yeah. But, at the, but you look for something that's going to move you is and Late period Wes Anderson movies, I'm just never moved by them. Yep. Just never That's moved fair. by them. It's like there's a little bit of drama, but like not enough drama to like really make you shed a tear or like feel bad for the characters or whatever. That's not true. I mean, there are action <laughs> sequences that are never that thrilling. There are jokes that aren't that funny. I mean, that's the that's really the problem is his his sense of humor. It's like I fucking hate ironic comedy. I hate this sort of like Oh, we're we're so like clever and hipster, and like we do stand up at like a coffee shop in fucking Brooklyn. What's what's, what's I? What, hold on. What, what's well, wrong? I, I'm with not sure. I, I don't understand. Yeah, I, I find it hilarious, but like you know, it's dry and deadpan, certainly. But yeah, but that's part of what's funny about it too. Yeah, the, the, it's clever. The, like it just it feels like Wes Anderson thinks he's being clever as opposed to Wes Anderson trying to elicit a laugh. I, that's comedy, though, isn't it, man? <laughs> comedy is always no, trying well, to be. That's what clever. bad comedy is. I think. I disagree. Do you think he's <laughs> smug? I don't think, yeah. I oh, certainly. In certain areas. Sure, Obviously. But, Obviously. But yeah. Good, but good, the first word I would use. But good, like, screenwriting comedy is generally, like, like very, very clever. It's the kind of stuff that we laugh at, I would say. I'm not sure it's that far off from stuff even the great screenwriters will do. There is one script on this list, by the way, that I think is one of the best scripts of the 2010s. 
Okay. For that very reason. Okay. And a lot of it is just because of how he can paint with his very unique brush. And it is it is in this movie that I that I see like some of his best character work, sometimes through his comedy, but also through the the heart of the characters. And it's one of the best films of, you know, that decade. <sighs> yeah, I don't like hipsters. <laughs> I know you just, don't. I mean that's really what, what are it hipsters is. Like, I just to you. What? I've, I've heard <laughs> you, you say this for like the last half decade. Who are hipsters? What are, what, what are, what's hipster? You like Phoebe Bridgers. Is that hipster? <laughs> Certainly. Hipster? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> okay. that's, that's sure. That's, I mean, that's I would one example, but no, I think there was a time when I would even call Tarantino hipster for a time. Not now, uh, but Tarantino was hip. I don't know if Tarantino was a, I, I, sure? I describe hipster as, um, you know, a group of people that is amused by their own sort of intelligence and quirky tastes. Uh, <laughs> I think that's like, that's what it is. Like it, it's, they like humor. They, they get laughs out of, you know, making references that no one else will understand or using vocabulary that, that, that Tarantino. nobody in the audience. Yeah. Uh, Tarantino overwrites. I don't think Tarantino, you know, I kind of feel that way about Sorkin eh. at times. Yeah, times. definitely. Oh, yeah. I don't know. Woody Allen. <laughs> Woody, yes. Woody's funnier, though. Is he? And Woody oh, does have no. a goofier oh, streak Jesus to Christ. him. Oh, Jesus Christ. Is he? Do, you don't think so? I'm not sure I agree with that. Yeah. Thank I find you. them pretty equally funny <laughs> in, in many ways. Yeah. Okay. I think they're both funny, dude. They're just different types of humor, different types of voices. Yeah. So, I don't know. I disagree. I, but of course, I do. like it's just a lot of this stuff is in the service of what, right? Like you used the word in our group chat yesterday, Jabril Twee. And yeah, I think that's, that's, like, that's a, that's a perfect way of describing it. Like one of the reasons that I'm not a big fan of whimsy and, and quirkiness and like offbeat stuff like this mm. offbeat in this specific way is that like, what's the fucking point? Like, what is it in the service of, right? Like, if it's not going to get the hardest laugh, if it's not going to get the hardest cry, if it's not going to get the hardest thrill, I mean, all we're really doing is admiring the craft. And I just think that's kind of like an empty way of watching movies. You, know? you don't think but it's aren't in you, service aren't of the Aren't you a fan of Harold and Maude? Aren't you a fan of Harold and yeah, Maude? The kind of ur text for him? Incredibly, that's an incredibly moving movie, though, Harold and Yeah, Maude. but that's, that's also like very dry. And, yeah, but it's also very dry and deadpan and not too far afield from a lot of uh, Anderson's oeuvre. So I, I don't... Yeah, you love that film, so I'm I'm having trouble... Because I don't I don't think it's... it's the, his, He's crafting... A, a surreal, unreal world. So, sure. I, I, yeah. No, the unreal it's a heightened is not a reality. Problem. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, heightened reality, there's no problem with heightened reality either. But it, again, it's in, in service of what? It's got to be in service of a character or a theme or something. A story. Yeah. That's what it's doing. It's, a, it's his yeah. form of storytelling. It's 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 the only way of expressing himself that makes sense. And I figure, like, I don't him, know all of his influences, but he's influenced by a lot of the French New Wave guys. I think he's Clearly. influenced by a lot of Sajid uh, Yatre, uh, Francois Truffaut. So yeah, I think that Fellini. So lots know. of Fellini. Oh my god. Oh yeah. It, it's fun to watch though in that way. But I don't know. I don't know. I just disagree because, like, a lot of the twee nature, if you want to call it that, is pretty mm. effective. And it's like I. I don't need every movie to be like 
super somber or serious or or drab or anything like that. Mm-hmm. I, it depends, man. It's uh, I mean, I'm not asking for drab. No, but you watch movies for it, it. It's hard to explain why you watch movies in the first place or what what you're in the mood for or what your specific interests are. I mean, I don't have a favorite type of movie. I just like watching movies and I get excited for things that can maybe express themselves in a fun or interesting way. Because I have to be honest, like when I'm when I see a, a Wes Anderson film, I'm like, ooh, how is this story going to be taken in a Wes Anderson direction? And it's often quite fulfilling for me anyway. And it's not to say I dislike the style because I, I do think like the style worked in his earlier movies. My whole point is that the style has become the star and that it <laughs> and there's been a really sort of cold, ironic yeah. hipster remove that has been laid on top of all of these late period stories that I, sure. I kind of just find unappealing. Hal Ashby was never that kind of filmmaker, right? Like wasn't Kubrick though between, um, cold. Yeah, definitely different, but see that was intentionally cold though. I, 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 I'm not sure you could say that certain, uh, Wes Anderson's aren't, they can be, I mean, they can be incredibly blunt and and harsh and nasty. When you're making a movie like Full Metal Jacket or Eyes Wide Shut or The Shining, like, yeah, cold is part of the point, right? Like these are. But when they're all cold, though, is what I'm saying. I mean, all of them are cold. It's there's really no middle ground. Even Lolita's not cold. Yeah, it is. You think? Sure, absolutely. Uh, I. He's making stories in very like unforgiving uncompromising worlds and he's putting his characters in pressure cookers right like that's yeah. that's part of the the magic of kubrick whereas again here it's it's not like wes anderson style was always this cold i mean that's mm. what i keep coming back to right like rushmore royal tenenbaums bottle rocket like i i feel like really close to these characters and i and i i feel like i am invested in their journey in some way whereas sort of later on i i I'm going to keep beating this dead horse, but um, yeah, I mean, I just, I don't feel that way about his later movies. It's, it's true to a degree. There are movies where I definitely feel the coldness, but in his later period movies, there, there are plenty of films where I just feel totally different. Like okay. I said, there is one in particular. I'm like, no, this is a, this is his best film. This is a masterpiece and okay. it, it is a late period film. So, yeah. <laughs> um, so I guess that's, that's my piece. That's my piece. I don't know. It, it, it just felt at a certain point. It's like, the, the the like there is such a thing as over directing right oh yeah yeah there, sure. there is such a thing as, as doing too much and there is such a thing as, <laughs> of like micromanaging your actors and just using them as pawns on a chessboard as opposed to like letting it be like a living breathing document i mean that's what movies are supposed to be they're supposed to be are collaborative they? I, I don't know. i think so well we, uh, the, i don't know they're all we've had arguments <laughs> about the auteur theory a lot well, they're all yeah, the some did i don't know yeah, like some some directors use actors like paintbrushes here to yeah, construct their worlds they're they can not be you know, just as great I don't know. You know, yeah. You, yeah, you're right. There is such a thing as over directing. And that's what happens when you tell mm-hmm. Harvey Keitel to walk through a door 150 times and then he quits <laughs> the set of Eyes Wide Shut. I don't know. Yeah. But I still like Eyes Wide Shut yeah. for what it is. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not going to I'm not going to come down on Kubrick here, man. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I yeah, it's a it's a yeah, no, I get it. But all it of never the, really show itself on screen, I think but it does, though. It, yes, it does. <laughs> Every, I mean, that's the thing. Like every movie is is at the service of telling a story, and you know, every director has his way of doing that. I don't know. Yep. They're complicated, but you're, 
movies are complicated in some ways and not complicated in other ways. When I is just, this not art, Nico? That's is this good, not yeah. art? No. What does that mean? I would I'm, obviously. There's a lot of bad art. I don't know. It's not bad art. <laughs> <laughs> we're not talking, no, I mean, that's not my point at all. That's we're not, obviously not my point. The guy not, is a very self-assured <laughs> filmmaker with a very distinct style, and he gets what he wants out of his actors. I just think it's kind of a pointless exercise at the end of the day. You know, I just think using your why? actors, just putting them in the center of a, of, of a symmetrical frame, just reading a script monotone and not letting them. Do you know what? Around, but, it, ugh! It's just ugh! It's you, just drab and ugh! It's like oh, this is so like fucking masturbatory. This whole exercise for me. That's a director for you. Fair. <laughs> Do you not get anything? Out? I get plenty out of it, though. I mean, I think that's the difference. I mean, I derive plenty from... I've always derived plenty from his movies, even the ones that I don't love. They're just... It, for me, again, I, I want to specify, late period. Flat, cold, removed. This, it, this one really It just disagree. feels like he's the, the biggest star of, of, of his movies at all times, and that's not always the best thing. It's inevitable. With a guy like this who has such a distinct style, I understand. We're going to start the list really contentious because... <laughs> Before we start the list, why don't we go around and say what all of our first Wes Anderson films were? What the first oh, films you saw ones? from him? Were. No, no, no. What's the what's the, the first, first film movie we saw, saw from him? Yeah. Oh, first when one. When did you I, see it? Yeah, yeah. Uh, Fantastic Mr. Fox was the first one that I saw. Okay, which could okay. be pretty informative for you. Yeah, I saw Moonrise Kingdom. Okay, two thousand twelve. Uh, oh, okay. I saw it when it came out. Uh, I was what senior in high school, and yeah. Well, Fantastic Mr. Fox is one of my favorite movies of all time. All time. I love it. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Again, so there you I, go. I feel the same way about another movie. <laughs> I'm not that, being a hater. The fact just, that they have that effect on you, though, man. Yeah. It's, it's, not, it's not for nothing. Okay. So um, here's the deal. We, we're deciding to change the format today. We will still induct one of Wes Anderson's movies into the Movie Hall of Fame. But just to make this the definitive Wes Anderson conversation. We decided to include <laughs> all nine of his movies for consideration. Okay. Yes. We will throughout the show be ranking these movies one through nine, or I should say nine through one is how we're going to construct it. Uh, and then at the end of the list, we will have, I guess what we'll call the definitive Wes Anderson power rankings. Do you want me to, I, I don't With the number one entry way. getting into okay. the movie Hall of Fame, right. right? Yes. And so we will debate this along the way. Uh, this has opened the door for even more contention than necessary. Yes, it has. <laughs> it's going to get silly. It's a disa disaster pod 226, by the way. Okay, so here we go. Yay. So that's what we're doing. Okay? So the, them's the rules. Jabril has a has a way of bringing us on these disaster experiences. I just want to say, first, you know, it's midsummer. <laughs> it's Malcolm and Marie. It's Wes Anderson. I'm a cancer, folks. Just, I'm cancerous. It just creates chaos. Um, <laughs> Let me ask you a quick question, Nico, to get it really cooking here. Yeah. How many of these films are better, or, or how many of these films are worse than Malcolm and Marie in your mind? Oh, God, here Ooh. we go. This is really going to piss me off. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, you want to fucking talk about masturbatory, motherfucker? Oh yeah, there's. A good I have point. I have three. Ew, I have I, three of the nine. There. Fuck. 
God. Okay. Oh, man. I don't think they I think they're all significantly better. <laughs> we'll see how this goes. Well, anything anybody wants to say before we start here? No. This is an experiment for us. We've never tried this I before. I love both of you guys. This, this is again. all this is all for fun. Love okay. you guys. Let's oh, go. Well, Jabril and I have already we're on a side. Nico, you're on your own little trash <laughs> island over there. Yeah, I'm about to be, you're, yeah, you're fine. <laughs> I'm going to pick my battles. I'm going to pick my spots here, no question. Like I can't just I can't contest everything. But all right, let's so let's go around the table here. We'll start with number 9. What would you guys put number nine on this list, Jabriel? I would put Bottle Rocket. Mm. Bottle Rocket. What are we doing? <laughs> Sorry. Oh. <laughs> what the fuck are we doing here? I like this movie. What I the do. fuck? It's a good movie. What the fuck? But pretty definitively, yes, it's not the best. What? <laughs> it's Bottle Rocket. <laughs> what are we doing? Yes. Why? What are you saying? It's going to be Isle of Dogs? No! All right. I had Darjeeling Limited. Woo! Oh, no. Nope. Oh, no. Oh, my goodness! I did tell you before the pod that my list changed dramatically. Fuck you, Nico. You thought I was going Darjeeling Limited? I thought this was going to be an easy. <laughs> we just move on. Nope. I love you guys, but I'm going to mace you. Mm. <laughs> so what did we do? So, okay. I, I guess I'm outvoted. You don't get All that? Right. You don't remember that? Okay. No, I, I, All right. I, I got it. I got it. <laughs> Not. I felt like I was being maced throughout the entire movie. Uh, okay. All right. Well, Bottle Rocket's number nine, I guess. <laughs> this was number two on my list. Whoa! <laughs> Bottle Rocket! 19... This is a disaster. How? 1996's Bottle Rocket, co-written by Owen Wilson, Wes Anderson's college roommate, starring Owen Wilson, Luke Wilson, Robert Musgrave, and James Kahn. Three friends plan to pull off a simple robbery and go on the run. This is Wes Anderson's directorial debut. Came in the height of the 90s independent movement. Uh, somehow, uh, it scraped together a $7 million budget, only made half a million back domestically. <laughs> no it was kick. a critical darling, but man, did audiences not embrace that Wes Anderson out of the gate. Um, I really like this movie a lot. Um, I like it too. Mm -hmm. Like I, I saw it for the first time for this show. I just think like this is exactly the type of movies that Wes Anderson should should be making. They're you know a little shaggier, a little yeah. uh, you know a, a little more uh, freewheeling. And <laughs> well, listen, it's a heist movie, and it, I just feel like quirky, sort of low stakes uh, uh, stylistic choices work well in things like Ocean Eleven and Out of Sight, or in this movie, which they is, work well for you. They work well for me. It's my genre. <laughs> I was gonna say, but I want to know why you guys would have it so low on this list. It's kind of crazy for me. I, I don't think there's a sing. There's not much Wes Anderson here. Let's just be perfectly honest. He's still trying, yes. He's still trying to figure himself out. Fantastic. Very true. Yes. It's <laughs> it's by by a clear margin. Here's the thing. I might actually like this movie more than uh. The next two movies I have on my list, both uh, eight and seven, but like it's as far as like crafting your own individual piece to express yourself. I don't really see much of that here. It's only so entertaining. I as much as I enjoy it, it's a little forgettable. Uh, and you know, like the character work is all kind of fine, stock standard fare for me. You know, it's it's I don't have much to say about it other than it's a great first effort. I love it oh, as yeah. like his first feature. It's and it's cool to look back on, but I have no desire to watch this or re-examine it in the way that I do some of his other films. Yeah, I'll, I'll re-watch this at some point. I, I happen to agree with you quite a bit here. I think it uh, a lot of it was kind of kind of stock and boilerplate as far as the as far as the camera work. I see some some hallmarks of his 
of what would become the Wes Anderson style, the uh, framing of somebody writing something on a desk, the way things are strewn about, the pans, the title cards, like, oh, I, I see the seeds of what, what is going to be in the future. I, I found the characters compelling. I found yeah. parts of it, parts of it dra- dra- dragged for me, but I, uh, I, I enjoyed it overall, not as much as other, yeah. I mean, you have to be. We have to be honest. Like for for you and I, I'm not sure if I guess if if you enjoyed it overall, then you know I guess the spoiler here is that I like every single Wes Anderson film. I do. Mm-hmm. There are just some that I like more than others. And yeah, like I I think that's the other good point. Like I only find these characters so compelling. They're compelling enough to carry this movie. It's not like tremendously long, so I wasn't can't say I was bored by it. But you know, it is one of those movies that just leaves me wanting a lot more. And it's like, okay, that was cute, and then you move on. Yeah, kind of what I want out of a heist movie. I don't know. like Out of a heist movie? I think we look back on it now and it's easy to say, oh, this wasn't quite fully formed. It wasn't quite original. But that's only because we've seen fucking, you know, Grand Budapest Hotel, which is a movie that takes place in a diorama, right? Like, <laughs> that, So I think, like, had we seen it in 1996, we were, I don't know, I was one years old. I think Jabril was two years old when this thing came out. Had we seen it then... I think we might have been like, oh, this is really original. Like, movies can actually look like this. One, one of them, what you just said, is a tremendously more captivating film, though. And just in, even in what you described, I'm more interested in seeing that film. Like, what? They're making a movie like that? Okay, let's see what that looks like. It's just like, dude, I don't know. It's, it's, it no, is I just the, think like it's the simplest version of a heist film. No, I've but ever I think seen. you, you underestimate how revolutionary it's not even really a heist movie. It's not it's, even really about the heist. Yeah. No, that's the thing. I was like, I don't know. Yeah. I mean, most of it just takes... All I remember in this movie really is just, like, the hotel. And, you know, it's fine. Which yeah, I it's love. really just... Yeah, it's, it's really just about, like, late 20s, middle class, lost souls just trying to yeah. figure out some shit. Yeah. You know? Dipshits. Yeah. Yeah. Give me movies like that. Like, I do like it, but... Yeah. movies. Yeah. I mean, that's I, what this thing <laughs> is, right? Like, it's it's 1996. This you is, don't think it's a little weak in that way? Like, it's fine. It's it's serviceable, but, like, as far yeah, as... it's like, not the greatest version of that thing that I've ever seen. Yeah, yeah, did it really hit you that hard? I don't know. Well, the character work did, I think, is the um, bottom line. Like, I, I I maybe agree with you that the storytelling is kind of ineffectual, but um, at the end of the day, I really like in, like spending time with these characters. Um, I don't remember their names. I, I wish I did, but... And I, I remember, like, James Conn dancing, and I remember enjoying that quite a bit. Like, I don't know, like... It's the simple pleasures. I, <laughs> the fact that he didn't insert himself for me is, um, you know, a plus, not a minus. But uh, number two, though. Yeah, I had Jesus it really high. I, I really like this movie a lot. Wow. I really like it a lot. Okay, all right, that's fine. Um, it's an interesting the, number two. Yeah. <laughs> I'll say that. What I will say, what I will say, I don't. Know, I think I number know nine guys... is a little ridiculous too. No, nope. <laughs> given some of the other entries on the list, but. Okay. Oh, see, I completely well, disagree with that. <laughs> what I will say is uh, the score. I don't know if you guys uh, took notice of the score. That was by uh, Mark Mothersbaugh of the band Devo, the front man oh. of Devo. So big props to him, uh, one of the all-time composers. Of course, Wes Anderson goes to Devo. <laughs> All right. I also like... Th- early Wes Anderson's use of music too that's another thing that I don't like like when Alexander Desplat comes in and does Grand Budapest I know like that's a a, a uh, well-renowned 
score and he's a well-renowned composer but like mm-hmm. i like when he would just put like stone songs into the soundtrack for no reason like i oh, wow. i kind of like the guy playing you, guitar uh, uh, in fucking life aquatic just doing david bowie covers wow. like had you not liked darjeeling limited for that reason i know it's some <laughs> of the things that i liked about darjeeling limited right. to be honest with you yeah um again yeah, he like, still but, does that but, but that's that's something where it's like you know he just sort of puts songs in there by like the kinks or the stones or, or steely mm. Dan. Like there's, there's something sort of imperfect about a lot of the music and like sort, sort of shoving it in there. It feels more naturalistic and real. And like, that's how I like movie or uh, movies using music. Whereas, you know, the perfectly curated, just like so much percussion and just like the xylophone and the, and the timpani. It's like, you can't like both. Why can't you just like both? I like both. It's all just a little too perfect. <laughs> okay. You know, I like imperfect scores and oh, imperfect sound. The movie's too perfect. All right. I got it. Oh my goodness. <laughs> Whatever, man. Yeah. Okay. What's number eight? Fine. All right. What's, that's that's number, number eight. eight. I, I contend that it should still be Darjeeling, but you don't nope. want to know what I have number eight on my list. Mm. I will save that conversation for later. <laughs> oh, God. What is it? Grand Budapest? I'm saying Darjeeling should be number eight right now. If the, Under these rules. Under these rules? Yes. Oh. Okay. I have my definitive number eight. After rewatch. Movie I really like, but yeah. What is um, it? Isle of Dogs. Okay. Ooh. Isle of Dogs. That's mine as well. Aha! Not a big fan of that. Ooh, I like what's happening here. <laughs> well, it's my number seven, so right. I guess that's fine. Mm-hmm. I guess I'll put it there. All right. That's kind of crazy that Darjeeling flew that much up. Uh, Isle of Dogs. Um, so this is a movie a I watched fan. for the first time. It was uh, co-written by Roman Coppola, Jason Schwartzman, and Kunichi Numira, um, along with Wes Anderson. Stars Brian Cranston, Ed Norton, ba- Bob Balaban, Jeff Goldblum, Bill Murray, Greta Gerwig, Francis McDormand, and Scarlett Johansson. Nominated for Best Original Score and Animated Feature at the Academy Awards in 2018. Um, set in Japan, Isle of Dogs follows a boy's odyssey in search of his lost dog. Let's see a movie where uh, Wes Anderson tackles Trump, baby. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> it's kinda. Very much so. Very much so. <laughs> I, I found the Japanese stuff kind of weird in this. What do you mean? Little yellow face, a little bit like throwing out. Like there were a lot of shots at like the Japanese government here, and I'm not really sure like why. Um, like what's his beef with Japan? Well, it's it. I mean, it's sort of in. It feels more in reference to like imperialist Japan, which throw as many shots at imperialist Japan as you want. It's it was fucked up. Don't I get, guess? Yes, very. Yes. If you just read about the rape of Nanking and have a field day. Yeah. Uh, I don't have as much of an issue with it <laughs> because he's drawing from a very particular t- time in history. So whatever, yeah. but whatever. I, I know that was one of the controversies. Like this was some sort of cultural appropriation. Uh, I I don't, I, I never know what to say about that sort of thing. It doesn't but, exactly um, cater to American audiences though, does it? Yeah. I, I don't know. I, I kind of, I found a lot of it to sort of be like unnecessarily kind of, just like mean it just felt like there were like a lot of like jokes at like the japanese's expense um and so like i you know whatever i i don't know and then people say oh there's the white savior character that comes in and like you know (laughs) she doesn't do shit yeah (laughs) regardless um 
I agree with you that it is uh, the 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 worst of his animated movies. Yep. I think Fantastic Mr. Fox is clearly better. Um, I think like the animation is quite gorgeous. Yep. Um, and maybe this dude should always just has have been an animator. Uh, maybe because like. You know, it's easy to actually mold clay in the way that you want it to look <laughs> much easier than molding human beings into the way that you want them to look. Right. I mean, that's always been my thing. It kind of feels to me like when he did Fantastic Mr. Fox, it's like, holy shit, like I can literally do whatever I want and with animation. Yeah. What if I did it with real people? It's like <laughs> the serial killer that like kills like dogs and, and fucking and like squirrels in the backyard and buries them out back right in the garden. And it's he like, oh, wait a minute. What if I? Move on to man's deadliest game. He had been doing it with real people way prior to Fantastic Mr. Fox. No, but it feels like, again, he gave them a little more latitude in those original movies. And it's like, oh, I was able to make the foxes do whatever I wanted. Yep. What if I treat man like fox? Okay. And that's what happened here. No. Uh, I Listen, unlike any animated movie you will ever see, this Isle of Dogs, yeah. truly incredibly made, uh, some of like the, the visual tricks and... And cutaways and like changes in animation style were really masterful, and that's all great. Again, I find the voice acting to be really dry and like a waste of everyone's talent, if I'm being honest. And I kind of found the end, although there was an attempt at some sort of emotional ending, I found it to kind of be corny and schmaltzy. Eh, it's very dark. It's very, very dark. Very dark. Possibly his darkest movie. Um, I, fi I do find the animation to be fantastic. I do actually kind of agree with you on certain voice actors. Every time Edward Norton opens his mouth in this movie, I go, no, man. <laughs> and no. It's not just the fact that it's Edward Norton talking. It's also his dialogue. I, I gotta be honest. I don't like it. I just don't like it. Every, every, every single, like th this is an instance where it's like the being too clever for your own good does actually get in the way where he's like, they, they open the trash bag and then he starts listing all the things in the trash bag. I'm like, it's, it just, it's not funny. It's, and the classic Wes Anderson, just like overhead you know, close up overhead on each item. And you just pan back and forth between each one. Th yeah. The worst. I mean, just, nothing oh. worse for me in, in movies than, guy reading a note in a Wes Anderson movie. I do, however, think that Brian Cranston's performance is awesome. I love this character. I love this doc. And I happen to also love the relationship he develops with this boy. Everything on the island, excluding Edward Norton's dog, <laughs> is... I love it. I really, really, really love it. And I saw this in theaters, and it was actually quite, quite the experience, honestly. Mm. Um everything off the island though this is where i really get into my problems yeah. everything involving greta gerwig's character can fuck off i agree it is terrible it is it I, you know wes anderson's not the most subtle individual no. but even in his you know even in his films that aren't this he at least tries something a little more nuanced whereas this is just Oh God, like heavy handed to a fault, annoying, stupid. I find the character design for Greta Gerwig's character to be ridiculous. I find her subplot to be ridiculous. I find everything she says to be ridiculous. If that character was <laughs> extradited from this movie, <laughs> I'd be okay with that. Yeah, I just think all the political stuff. It doesn't in work. In general, yeah. I just think, don't think it works. It just, there's a lot of scenes of just politicians laying out their plot just like laying out their entire evil scheme. And there's a great sushi scene. That one little take is fucking fantastic. That little animation. But aside from that, no, 
<laughs> oh yeah, when he's actually putting together the sushi. I loved it. Yeah, that's a good stuff. That's cool. Yeah, I agree with you. More doggos, more Bill Murray, more Goldblum. Did you hear the rumor? Yeah, that's yeah, good they stuff. folded. <laughs> Puppy snaps folded. Yeah, I hear stuff. You'll you'll meet a bitch named Nutmeg. Also, <laughs> for a guy that doesn't usually laugh at these movies, uh, that one definitely got me. That was good. Um, and also one of the funniest jokes. I wish they did it when the pack of dogs went to the incinerator. And it was like immediately it's like, holy shit, are all of our heroes dead in this? Mm-hmm. Mo-? Like if they actually stuck with that, it would have been an unbelievable joke. But yeah, they yeah. go back on obviously because it's a kid's movie. They go back on it like yeah. five minutes later. But um, yeah. What do you think, Jabril? Isle of Dogs? Not, uh, not a lot of a not a lot to say. Kind of kind of bored by it, actually. Almost That's all the fair. way through. Aside from a couple of things. But uh, yeah, one of his weakest ones, honestly. Yep. Yep. I happen to agree. I love the music. Music's great. Uh, yeah, yeah. No, I'm I'm right there on rewatch too because I really liked it when I first saw it, but I wasn't sure if I loved it. And then I rewatched it, and I was like, Nah, I don't love it, but it's good. Uh, many things I admire about it, but yeah, it's not my favorite by a mile. Uh, I'm okay with that placement. I had it again, one tick up. Um, but uh, yeah, we'll compromise on that. That's fine. We're about to get in some steaming hot territory now. Oh, we are because I have a bad one. Uh, okay. Number six. Seven? Seven. 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 Number seven. I will once again echo that I believe Darjeeling Limited should be number seven. Nope. Nope. Wow. <laughs> nope. Close, but no. Jabriel, what do you have? Adam, you're going to fucking hate me. Um, I saw this recently. So for the first time, uh, I am putting Steve Zizou at number seven. That's okay. I like Steve Zizou a lot. No, it's Steve Zissou is my number six. That's okay. Yeah, of his 2000s work, I think that's just, uh, his live action 2000s work, I think that's one of the weakest ones. It's still good, but it's just, it's not one of the best ones. Yeah, I, I, it's funny because it's sort of a cult favorite. I Well, I'm, I'm, I guess it's a cult favorite. It, it seems to be like one of his, like, fit, like for the fandom of Wes Anderson people, that's like mm-hmm. one of the more highly regarded ones. And when I saw it, I, yeah, I kind of felt that way. I was like, yeah, it's, it's, it's fun. I like it. And I love Bill Murray in this. I kind of love that relationship between him and Owen Wilson. Uh, but yeah, something about it just left me feeling like like half fulfilled. It was it's okay. It's a fun little yeah. adventure, but it's not like the greatest thing ever. No, my number. I'm gonna by the way fight for Zizu. Really? Oh. I'm just I'm gonna say that right. Maybe it's a hot take. I don't know. Like not really. You're it's right. Me. Maybe the Wes Anderson fans have sort of co opted it. But you like, um, that's a Nico. You, I, I'm gonna fight for that one. Ah, yeah. That is not a Nico uh, that, movie that's at all. That's one of the hills that I'm gonna die on here. Yeah. yeah. My, yeah, mine. I know. I'm. I'm definitely in the strong minority with this. I know one. what's coming here. And number seven for me is the Royal Tenenbaums. Yeah, that's not happening. Yeah. Mm. No. Yeah, that's not. That's not happening. Yeah. Wow. Jabril, do you have my back on this? I love Tenenbaums. Are you yeah. kidding me? Yeah, wow. that's not. That's not happening. Yeah, I have never understood it. I don't care about a single character in this movie. I doesn't resonate with me one little bit. I find it incre- incredibly boring. It's not funny. I don't find the ending satisfying or meaningful in any remarkable way. I, I, I guess it's fine for what it has to say about uh, uh, a, a troubled patriarchy, whatever, uh, you know, keep leaving behind a good legacy, whatever. Uh, I mean, how you uh, bring a family back together through what seemed like impossible odds, fine. I just have no connection to this movie, guys. It's a technically better movie than the previous two, but... 
I've seen it like three times and every single time it's confirmed for me. I don't care for it. It's his riff on Magnificent Ambersons. Yeah. Yeah. I prefer Magnificent Ambersons. <laughs> I, I'm not, I'm not good with this that low. Yeah. I'm no. not okay. Like, I, I understand, but yeah. That's... Where, where's our compromise here though? What, what would you say that we all agree on is kind of the most mediocre of the bunch? Hmm. What was, uh, I said Darjeeling. Oh, for me, it's, it would, I would put Zisu at this yeah. spot. Zizu and Zizu would be the mm-hmm. consensus. I'm shocked Darjeeling moved as much for you as it did. It's going to climb more. That's crazy. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I love the brothers dynamic. I just, I, I think yeah, that, 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 one, that one's going to be a grower on me. I just love the oh, set yeah. design. I just love the, the music. I love the score and the soundtrack. Yeah, it's just yeah, yeah me too. Yeah. I love that journey they go on. I love oh, yeah. what, it, what it ultimately caps off with. I love how they come back. That is, in a lot of ways, that movie turned into everything I kind of wanted Royal Tenenbaums to be. I just found Royal Tenenbaums to be the cold, empty experience that you're talking about. Hmm. I don't get much out of it. Um, not a bad movie. It's the, and again, I, I, it's it's generally fun, but like there there is also casting choices that I just flat out disagree with. I'm like, I don't know what the hell Ben Stiller's doing in this movie. So. Do you question Gene Hackman though? No. Hackman's unbelievable. I don't movie. remember much of his performance. Hackman's I mean, really good. I remember him being good, but like, I don't know. Again, and also like humor that legitimately makes me laugh. I find it Everyone so... Everyone thought Custard died at this. So unfunny. That's, I don't get that. <laughs> the I just, I'm, is so good. I'm just, I don't find it funny at all, but whatever. You've made a cuckold out of me, Adam. All right. Uh, Zisu? Zizu, we're doing I, again. I want to fight for Zizu. That's again my hot take. I had Life Aquatic number five. I had it number five. I actually think it's it's one of his better movies. It's a good movie. Yeah, it's good. It's it's just below one of his better movies for me. Again, you don't want to know what I have at number eight. I will not unfurl this take quite yet. I oh, will say, I will say the search and destroy action scene with Bill Murray gunning down some Filipino pirates. That one's yeah, that's one of fun. the all timers. Yeah. <laughs> no, but that's what it's saying. There are many moments in that movie of like pure joy. That's why it's higher than uh, Royal Tenenbaums. I think the movie is a blast. I think it's general, like the most like, 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 I guess superficial fun. I just mm-hmm. like that, that crazy, wacky, idiosyncratic adventure they're going on that is like you even though like it, it's it's an r-rated movie it's like the most whimsical silly thing i've ever seen um the the stop motion <laughs> animals i was like what is this movie where am i why am i in this story the, the, but <laughs> but I, the, the, the other thing i love about it too is the fact that like if we're just talking about some of the imagery that sticks with me i mean i it's this has got one of those one of those palettes that is a little more unforgettable for me. Like I just remember everything about this movie in a way that's, that's not quite the same with real Tenenbaums. I mean, that whale behind Gene Hackman when they're trying to do the interview is just that, that cracks me up. That's one of those instances where it's like, I can't stop laughing. This stuff is too good. Or, or like you said, even the raid on the, the Filipino pirates camp <laughs> when they find Jeff Goldblum just sitting there playing cards. That's hilarious. Uh, yeah, I just take more out of the experience. I don't know. <laughs> Not a, huh. I'm sorry, guys. Yeah, I, I hmm. y- y- it's so it, we don't where, have. Okay, where do you have Darjeeling on your list? I can't tell you that. You can't tell me, Jabril. Where do you have it on your list? Because again, I went into this thinking this is definitively like this is the one that I thought was the consensus worst. Like it's just it has the most fat on the bone. It it doesn't really have any sort of clear sense of purpose. It's oh, really so meandering. Wrong. What are you talking about? It's, Meand- it's, it's fat, really meandering. It's fat but like and it's meandering. Way, but in a, a good... Oh, no, I love it. it. 
that's why I like Bottle Rocket so much. Whereas here, it's just like kind of a mess. I think that movie's kind of bad. Wow, I think you're totally wrong. I think the movie's kind of bad. Like I, think, I, 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 I think you're completely I think the wrong. The stuff with about the dead it. kids really weird. It's oh, I like, love it. It's beautiful, man. That's a great little segue. <sighs> I, I find it's the so, ending. The movie has like three endings. <laughs> like it just feels like the most undercooked of all of. Did his. we watch a different movie? I feel totally opposite. Huh? Yeah. Do, I don't. Do you want to know what it is for me? So we can like, yeah, so we can actually, cause again, I really think that it should be in the lower half, if not at the absolute bottom. Okay. And I've already given you two spots here. Where do you have it? Number three. Wow. <laughs> it's number three for me. Wow. Yeah, I love it. I love it. And it's by far the most human, in my opinion, of all of his, where it's like, there's not a single cold thing about this. Like if you want to come at Wes Anderson for being a cold director and whatnot for over directing and all that, that's fine. But this movie feels like the antithesis of that in many ways. It very much feels like he poured his heart and soul out into these characters. A lot into of that it. Storytelling. No, I, and I, and I get you and it's very rough around the edges, which is why I'm surprised that you have it that high. Cause I don't think it's that rough around the edges. It feels very deliberate. You know, wow. and it feels more, it, but it, there's an openness to it in a good way, in a way that's like, you know, the, the, the lack of structure in many ways is part of the things that I love so much about it yeah. and as opposed to his other films, cause it's different in a good way. Not to say that I don't like the structured name, the sort of the rigidity of his other movies, but this is an example where he breaks away from that just enough to st- and still retain his identity. And I just think he makes an interesting artistic statement out of it. So I, I love what he has to say. Yeah. That's kind of the, the reason why I like Zizou though. And I wonder if mm. part of that is the Noah Bombach influence. I guess, I guess we're just talking about it now. What, what are we putting here? Jibril, what do you think? Are we at number five? We're at, no, number we're at number seven. Still at number seven. I know. Oh, fuck. We, don't, we, oh. all have a, we all have a different movie. By the way, you have Grand Budapest Hotel at eight, don't you? I absolutely do. Yeah. I absolutely do. The, you, you, this cover, I was like, oh, Grand Budapest at eight. That's rough. I know. It's it's hotter than any of your takes. you got some hot ones there. but yeah. No, again, I'm not. I don't even want to. I don't want to fight for it too hard. I just don't think Darjeeling should be this high. That's all. So, and I'll concede on the Grand Budapest part of it. Like, no, because you know, I, I, I will never. That. No, I am not conceding on that one. That's the dumbest I, take you could have. <laughs> no, I'll concede that it that it should be higher than I put it. I, Gabriel, what do you think? Make the call. Help yeah, so I, I thought I said Zizu was seven. Okay. Then so Zizu, have... we're, so we're good with Zizu there. I'm fine putting it at seven. Yeah. Yeah, okay, yeah, let's talk fine. Zizu. Let's talk Zizu. All right, number seven. The Life Aquatic with Steve Zizou from 2004. As I just mentioned, it was co-written by his frequent collaborator and friend, Noah Baumbach, starring Bill Murray, Owen Wilson, Angelica Houston, Kate Blanchett, Willem Dafoe, Jeff Goldblum, and Michael Gambon, with a plan to exact revenge on a mythical shark that killed his partner, oceanographer Steve Zizou, rallies a crew that includes his estranged wife, a journalist, and a man who may or may not be his son, a sort of riff on... Jacques Cousteau. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, yeah, I I think this movie's like actually kind of funny uh, and has some like really good character beats. Yeah. I, um, I think like the limited scope of it definitely helps. It's way more of a hangout movie than some of his other ones. Um, you know, it's not as sprawling. It, it, it's just literally on this submarine and you're sort of left with these characters bickering, bickering with one another. Um 
you know, I I think part of it is the Bombuck influence because it's also like a really dark movie. It's about like a a guy that's aging and sort of is watching his life pass him by and is oh that's why he likes no trying to (laughs) sure that's part of it but like trying to rekindle with his long lost son like Mm -hmm. that to me is more of a Bombuck dynamic. and, you know, there are similarities between the two of them, definitely. Bombach's one of my favorite filmmakers ever. Um, but I, I, I definitely do feel his influence here in the actual character dynamics. And I think, like, these performances are allowed to breathe. It's I, I, maybe not the best Bill Murray performance out of all of these, but it's definitely in the top two for me. Um, and it, it feels like it was before that period of time. There was some inflection point where Bombach really let himself get to Bombach. And uh, I'm sorry, where Wes Anderson <laughs> let himself get to Wes Anderson. And this was right in the sweet spot. You know, mm. this for me was like he had a firm grasp on the style, um, but he also sort of let his characters be characters. Some more handheld photography, maybe not as oh, much yeah. like, you know, oh, yeah, steady like pans and yeah. zooms. You know, do you really feel that way? I think there is a lot of uh, uh, handling of the character. That's part of the reason why I don't love it nearly as much as like. Grand Budapest Hotel for that reason whereas that's a movie where there is a tremendous amount of handling but it's directed so well and their performances are so good that you just forget about that it's like there is a there's to me anyway in this movie for sure it does feel like he's directing a lot and uh-huh. it doesn't feel as, as much as like there's nearly a, nearly that scoped for the characters to act and be themselves you know I never I never quite feel yeah, like I just that. I, 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 I never feel completely the opposite and maybe that's how you feel by Darjeeling and that's maybe why you're embracing it more I feel this way about yeah. life aquatic um yeah. it's funny there's the the actual Steve Zizou movies yeah, I mean the movies within the movies, which are f- that those are funny. I really but love. This those. is sort of my theory about Wes Anderson, right? Oh. The movies within the movies are the movies that Wes Anderson would make ten years later. Oh my god! Like he's kind of doing the 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 parody of himself within the movie Life Aquatic, and like you know the sort of like steady shots of characters looking directly into the camera. Uh, you know the the on screen title cards like. It, I don't know. Like, There's plenty it, of that. Like the SNL sketch of, of making fun of Wes Anderson was in the well, Wes Anderson movie. He's, he's referencing as himself. He he can laugh at himself. Look at the American Express card ad he made here. He he knows he knows what's yeah. up. Yeah, y'all remember that SNL sketch that they did by the way a couple years ago about Wes I never, Anderson? I never saw it. No, no. it's the. I feel like it was only a couple years ago. It might have been longer, but. Wes Anderson making a horror movie was the whole take on it. Uh, and Ed Norton played the the lead. Uh, he played Owen Wilson as the lead. So he was doing an Owen Wilson impression. Oh, that's funny. Um, <laughs> and like Alec Baldwin narrated it much, much like Royal Tenenbaums and everything. And there was like a parody. I forget what exactly the thing was called. You should watch it. But I remember watching that thing being like, wow, this is very funny because it totally nails the style. But also this could kind of work as a Wes Anderson movie. <laughs> at least nowadays. <laughs> And that was the thing that bothered me about it. It's like, oh, like the line between Wes Anderson parody and actual Wes Anderson is blurring. I think that was one yep. of the first moments where I'm like, oh, this guy's gone way too far. Off the <laughs> end, in my opinion. That's fair. Yeah. Huh. Yeah. I don't sketch know. That. I'd still love to see a Wes Anderson horror film. <laughs> I think it would work. Yeah, I, I, I do. Because I think like. Those are movies that are all style, right? Well, because I think there's some of that in Grand Budapest that I find a pretty effective horror, strangely. Okay. So, uh, yeah. All right. So we'll put Life Aquatic there at number seven. Yep. Yep. Good? Yes. Good movie. Okay. But they're all good movies. So what am I saying? Exactly. They're yeah. all good movies. Number six, Jabril. What are we doing? Uh, this may move up at some point, but Jarling Limited. Yep. Yep. 
Uh, six for me was Life Aquatic. So. Okay. Darjeeling Limited, we're putting at number six. All right. Mm-hmm. I think much higher than I thought it would ever land. <laughs> I said my case about it, but yeah, yeah. Uh, Jibro, we, what, what were your takeaways from the movie? It's just, uh, I don't, I'm not thought too critically about themes and all it's trying to communicate, but it's just, uh, I'll just say it, it's a vibe. It's a, yep. it's a vibe movie. It's uh, I think it's one of the more effective of the two or three toxic patriarchal, in this case, matriarchal figure movies. Wes Anderson clearly has some, some father and maybe some mommy issues as well. And he's, he's working out some stuff in a lot of his movies. Divorced and, uh, parents, divorced parents. Let's not forget. Divorced parents, three brothers, you know, Hey, come on. Mm-hmm. Uh, I just, I love the dynamic between Adrian Brody, Owen Wilson and Jason Schwartzman Schwartzman. Uh, I think too. they work well. So many funny lines. I love the, yeah, it's just a, it's a fun movie. Uh, one of the better ones of the two thousands of that era. Yeah. Yeah. I adore it. Yeah, that's why it's so high for me. Changed a lot. I, I wasn't sure what I thought of it. I think when I first saw it, I didn't, you know, I must have been high or drunk or something. <laughs> so I didn't remember much about it. So I had to go back and rewatch it. And my God, this film like just went right up for me. And I got everything that it was saying. I connected to it deeper than most of his movies, significantly more than <laughs> any of the ones that I've already listed. Um, and yeah, man, I just, like you said, it is a, a, this wonderful vibe piece where I get to really know these characters quite intimately. And I just love their personal and existential journey that they have to go on to finally come together in the end. I think it's a really beautiful movie. And with the fantastic ending, the fantastic arcs for all those people, just a great, great, great story to push these characters through. I even love the flashback sequence too. And I think it's very informative and important. And yeah. I, I don't, I think it's fantastic. I think it's fantastic. Yep. <laughs> wow. Okay. Uh, there you go. Darjeeling Limited at number six. Yep. Can we recap what we've done so far, Adam Paul? Nine, Bottle Rocket. Eight, oh, Isle of Dogs. Seven, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. And six, The Darjeeling Limited. Okay. Sounds okay. Sounds yeah, all right. Fun. So far. I wonder if we'll match up on five. Eh. Yeah, we might. We'll see. Well, what's your number five? Moonrise Kingdom. Um, I had it at number six. All right. So I'm, I'm good with it here. A number five. Jabril, do you concur? That is my number five. Yes. Aha, Jabril. There we go. <laughs> Look at us, Jabril. <laughs> <laughs> Moonrise Kingdom, 2012. Uh, it was co-written by uh, Wes Anderson's frequent collaborator, Roman Coppola. It's all the same brain trust, right? It's all yeah. like skinny white dudes with like a weird <laughs> comb over. Uh, starring Bruce Willis, Bill Murray, Ed Norton, Francis McDormand, and Tilda Swinton. Nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Academy Awards that year, a pair of young lovers flee their New England town, which causes a local search party to fan out to find them. This was a big commercial hit. Actually, one of Wes Anderson's comeback movies. Grossed $45 million on a $16 million budget. So it was a smashing success. And I think because it's kind of an easy movie to articulate to an audience. It's a lovers on the run story. Mm -hmm. Kind of a... you know, 400 blows esque uh, story about like a boy that just, you know, an orphaned boy that just doesn't quite fit in any anywhere, any mold doesn't quite fit anywhere except in the woods with his lover. Right. <laughs> um, I think it's like 
got sweet moments, tender moments. I I remember, you know, a lot of that from my initial watch in 2012. I rewatched about half of the movie before we did the podcast today. Um and you know, I feel the same way about the story. I I, I do think though um it's a very overwritten and very overdirected movie again. Like the Bob Balaban like, like this is the island known as what well, yeah yeah yeah. It's like god just let these guys improvise a little bit. Let them riff a little bit. Let them move. It's not a style. Let them explore the space. It's, it's just very stiff yet again. Uh, best part of this movie for me is Ed Norton. Uh, I, I just love the the troop. And I just find that incredibly funny when they're doing the inspection at the beginning and the guy's like on a motorcycle, the kid's on a motorcycle and he's like, and he's revs the motorcycle too loud. And he's like, next time you're going to get it taken away from you. Uh, <laughs> you know, all that stuff. Like he's burning fucking ants and uh, the, another kid. And I, I, I like that whole dynamic of like the teacher that's into over his head starting this manhunt. Um, can I give you guys a hot take? Go what? ahead. I think Edward Nor- Edward Norton sucks in Wes Anderson movies. I agree. Oh wow! Thank you, okay. thank yeah. you, thank you, thank you. We'll get to my thoughts on Grand Budapest Hotel and how much that movie means to me. He's kind of playing mm-hmm. the same character, but he is best. not mm-hmm. good in anything. He just I don't. He loves to work with Wes Anderson, but I yeah. don't know why Wes Anderson loves to work with him because he never works. He has never worked in a single Wes Anderson film for nope. me. Yep. Nope. Huh. For that, yeah. Why do you think that is? I don't know. It's a good question. It might be his delivery, yeah. his, his his presence. He's a very like awkward, stiff, kind of lanky presence in these movies. And not that that can't fit a Wes Anderson movie, but <laughs> yeah, his I, energy just does not vibe with Wes's. And I, he just seems like some guy and he's does not fit in the world that Wes he, creates. Yeah. Yeah. It's it, there's no color there. No. You know, that's the best way I can describe it. He's just, yeah, he's just guy in a part and he always sticks out like a sore thumb, which mm-hmm. is weird. You know, I mean, these movies are all strange enough as it is, but <laughs> they, they feel like they have a completeness to them. And every time I see Wes Anderson in them, even in Isle of Dogs, I was like, nope, something about your performance here is just wrong. Hmm. It's sort of an uncanny valley effect. So. And he's a very showy actor. American yeah. History X is a big performance. Uh, Birdman. An incredible performance, but a really big one. Melodramatic performance. Plays yeah. to the back row, right? Plays to his own strengths, though. That's like a take on West, uh, Edward Norton himself, almost. <laughs> sure. Uh, you know, there's not that much room in a Wes Anderson movie to really explore like that. Um, and, you know, when, you, when you're Ed Norton, you got to play it big. I mean, 25th Hour is another example of that. Um, it's really good in that. You know, Fight Club to a certain extent. But again, Fincher, mm-hmm. I think, is able to harness his power, I think, a little better in that one. Mm-hmm. Um yeah, I, I just think you can't put baby in a corner, right? Can't put Ed Norton in a corner. You gotta let the guy, you gotta get, let the guy breathe, right? He doesn't you gotta seem let to fucking, mind. Fucking Miles Davis, you know, uh, improvise a little well, bit. I, you're being very generous towards Edward Norton. I, don't <laughs> I love, love Ed Norton. I don't love Edward, Ed Norton that much, but okay. But that's the thing. It's like uh, he loves working with him, though. So that's why I find it so strange. It's like these, they're 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 always keen to work together again. So I don't. I don't know. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but mm. for some reason they vibe well and, you know, that's why they keep making movies, but it's always the worst part of his movies for me. Yeah. You know, even with the ones that I adore, you know? Mm-hmm. So yeah, it's a good, it's a really good movie for everything you just said. I don't have much to add. <laughs> Moonrise, Jabril, what, did it fall in your estimation since you first saw it? I, yeah, I have not rewatched it since I actually only first rewatched, watched it, uh, I think three years ago, but, uh, I just remember loving it. Just, uh, another vibe movie. I just love the color. I just love, I just love the story with these kids. It's just a fun hangout movie from what I remember. 
love the sense of humor too. This is one oh, yeah. of those earlier Wes Anderson films where I saw him. I was like, God, I just love this guy's voice. I love his sense of humor. It's it's great. It's witty. It's it's kinetic. You know, it's just and I just love. I, I, this is another one of those instances where I sort of fell in love with his aesthetic. You know, mm-hmm. and it's yeah, it's I I like like I said, I vibe with this one quite a lot and. Uh, Got a really sweet ending as well. I'm not sure I'm I'm quite keen on Bruce Willis in this, but whatever. You know. Bruce Willis is another one. Yeah. Doesn't quite fit in this world. W- Willis is a weird actor, though, man. Like, you really... A temperamental actor, too. Mm-hmm. Is it weird that, like, M. Night Shyamalan has, has like, gotten the best Will, uh, 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 fucking uh, Bruce Willis performances? <laughs> well, like, let, let's be very clear. John McTiernan's gotten the best performances out of Bruce Willis, <laughs> and it's not even Okay, close. yeah, fair <laughs> enough. But Shyamalan's gotten a lot of good ones, though. Uh, yes, I would agree. Yes. Yes, absolutely. But that is kind of strange. What is it about M. Night Shyamalan? Don't know. We got to see a movie directed by M. Night Shyamalan and Wes Anderson together. Oh, God. <laughs> like a That'd be a weird fucking movie. <laughs> I think the thing with Willis is that he doesn't have a lot of time for like amateurs. I think that's he gets very frustrated like with first time directors and non-professionals. He wants to just go come in and come and, and leave. Um, and I, I think like there is a I think it's more he just doesn't give a shit. I just think he's just he just seems like an asshole. Yeah, he's burnt out at this point, unfortunately. Yeah, yeah. I, I like him in the M Night movies. I, I actually like him in in Glass. That's early though. I mean, the, but again, the may, that's may, a recent performance. Is he that good? I think he's yeah. good in that movie. Yeah, I think it's one of his better sort of late period movies. Okay, for sure. Yeah, I mean, I really love him in Live Free or Die Hard. But again, that's like the last time I ever gave a shit about Bruce Willis's performances. So. Mm. Uh, all right, that's Moonrise Kingdom. Uh, anything else we have to say about that one? Fun little gateway entry film if you're into Wes Anderson too. I feel like a lot of yeah. this is a lot of people's, you know. So hmm. that and like maybe Royal Tenenbaums, but it's a big oh, movie when it came out. Definitely. Yeah, lead kid. Um, what's the kid's name? Uh, I don't know. I wish I had it written down. He's really well, the, good. Yeah, the kid uh, Jared Gilman is the actor. He's big in, in film Twitter. He's a funny guy. I think he's in film school now. So. Is that right? He is. Yeah, I follow him. So he's, he's really funny. <laughs> the little kid from Moonrise Kingdoms in film school now. Yep. Oh, wow. That's great. Good for him. <laughs> yeah, I think. Uh, what was that? Senior year of high school. Yeah. When that when this yeah, movie is that came right? Out? Wow. Oh my god. Cool. Senior year of high school for guys, us. Next year, this movie will be a decade old. Wow. Oh goodness. Fuck. That's weird, isn't it? Yeah, I remember it was actually one of the first film conversations I had freshman year of college with my roommate was about Moonrise Kingdom. It was one of the first, so that's how I sort of remember it. That was like a neat. Yeah. That was a wild time. I remember so much about like my movie going habits. The last like five years just all fucking blur together. Like if you told me like straight out of Compton came out a year ago, I'd be like, (laughs) yeah, that makes sense. But that period of time from like 2012 to 2014, it's like, I remember every movie I saw in what theater with who, uh, and like all the conversations we had after wow. that, but yeah, cool. that's, I think that's the thing. It's my first Wes Anderson movie. So I sort of have a soft spot. For yeah. It. Yeah. Okay. Um, neat, neat. Yeah. Good movie. Really yeah. good movie. <laughs> okay. Now it gets ugly. Now it gets ugly. Uh, yeah. number four. Rushmore. Ten bombs. Yeah. Yes. Fuck. I just didn't want it to be number, uh, number one. Any other one of these movies can be number one. I don't fucking care. Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay, I'm cool. We're doing it, Jabril. Real Dead and Bombs number four. <laughs> <laughs> it's my number three. I'll allow okay, it. Okay, okay, okay. Okay. <laughs> I'll allow it here. 
Royal Tenenbaums, co-written by o- or, uh, Owen Wilson. Uh, I almost said Orson Welles, Owen Wilson. <laughs> you know, a riff on Orson Welles's Magnificent Ambersons, but yes, Owen Wilson, co-writer here. Starring Gene Hackman, Gwyneth Paltrow, Angelica Houston, Ben Stiller, Luke Wilson, Owen Wilson, Bill Murray, Danny Glover, and Alec Baldwin. Nominated for Best Original Screenplay at the Oscars that year. Uh, the eccentric members of a dysfunctional family reluctantly gather under the same roof for various reasons. Um, his first box office hit made $52 million on a $21 million budget. Cool. His first Oscar nomination, I think uh, what many consider to be the first sort of fully realized mm-hmm. Wes Anderson movie in terms of his specific vision. Um, yep. I love a family movie. You know what I'm saying? I do yep. too. I generally do. That's why I like Darjeeling Limited. Absolutely familiar. Oh, you like those family movies? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Way to invalidate yourself right out the gate. I'm just kidding. Yeah, no, I said my piece with it. I don't get this one, and that's fine. I know I'm in the minority, so it is what it is. I just don't emotionally connect to this one in any meaningful way. <laughs> Speak on it, Jabril. I love a movie about a bunch of damaged people dealing with shit. And uh, this this is a uh, heightened reality, like uh, most of his films. But uh, there's some real emotions underneath, and I, I think the the uh, suicide. Let's call it a sequence um, with uh, Luke Wilson's character is one Good of the most harrowing things he has uh, he has ever shot. I agree. The darkest he's ever gotten. I think. Yeah. Yep. Really good. Great use of Elliot Smith's music. Rest in peace. That mm. scene. Needle in the hay. Yeah. Great song. Man, remember Elliot Smith. Holy Remember shit. Elliot Smith? I'm the one that told you about him. Don't act like you were always a fan of motherfucker. <laughs> no, but I, yeah. <laughs> I was not, I'm still not a fan, but remember Elliot Smith. <laughs> uh, oh man. Yeah. Tenenbaums. I I I yeah, I love this movie. Um I I think it's like sort of the perfect blend of his style and also just a, a fair helping a pathos. Um, I think the last great Hackman performance definitively. Uh, I don't think he made many movies after this. Um, he's just great. These are a lot of guys. You're right. Ben Stiller never really worked with them after this. Uh, uh, Gwyneth Paltrow never worked with them after this. Danny Glover never worked with them after this. Uh, it's kind of his most impressive cast. Uh, Probably. You know, and it's, it, it, it's also like, you know, not a lot of black people in Wes Anderson movies. Danny Glover is like a, a, a main character in this movie. Like it is definitely like the most colorful cast, I would say. Like it's it's definitely the the cast where there are the most distinctive attributes for each individual character, whereas I think they really blend together in the later movies. Um, so it's like an ensemble, but they don't feel like cogs in the wheel. They feel like they are their own sort of sentient characters. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, I, I think the ending is just like really powerful. Um it's, uh, you know, I, I think for some people, like these characters might be a little too damaged and are often annoying. I know like Adam often feels kind of annoyed by characters like this. I know you've said that about Noah Bombach characters in the past. You know, I'm thinking about like the Meyerowitz stories, for example. Uh, that's a movie where just like Ben Stiller and Adam Sandler yeah. just fucking bicker the entire time. And you're it, like, would you brothers just shut up? Yeah. It's like, it's like, <laughs> shut up and sit in a corner and you'll be, you'll be fine. I, I promise. And it's, and it's just like, yeah, like I, the stakes are so low and no matter what happens to anybody, and I'm, I'm not really deeply affected aside from the suicide sequence, which is amazing. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, 
I, I mean, maybe it also depends on the script. I still believe that you give Squid and the Whale to Wes Anderson, it's a better movie. I'm sorry. <laughs> That's <laughs> such fucking blasphemy. I'm sorry. That is actually a... <laughs> I'm, I feel personally attacked by that sentence. <laughs> it's a good what if you give him? What if you give him marriage story? What happens then? <laughs> now that doesn't work. That's not his movie. <laughs> that's a worse movie. Yes, he, Wes Anderson's not the guy to do that. But that's the thing. That that is a movie that feels. I more, hope you die. That is a movie. <laughs> I wish Henry would be okay, but I hope <laughs> one day that you just die. Love that movie. No, but that's a movie that's that feels. Be. Feel- and then there'd be some fucking violin and shit in the back, and some fucking xylophone in the background. Oh boy! <laughs> Close up on the divorce papers. <laughs> in fucking New Yorker font. But it feels Wes Anderson. That movie feels like it's desperately trying to be a Wes Anderson film. Ooh. <laughs> it does. It, it, it does. was supposed to be a Wes Anderson. Yeah, film. You're the, right. the script feels very Wes Anderson. I mean, yeah, that's not the same with Marriage Story. That's different. That feels like Bombach to me. Yep. But whatever. Uh, yeah, I'm 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 good with Royal Tenenbaums at number four. I, I think that's that's okay. That's about right. Okay. I just didn't want it to be number one because it seems like every fucking YouTuber puts it at number one. And I'm like, fuck you. <laughs> Fuck you. It's not the best one. Come on, guys. Okay. Uh, I feel very strongly about the, the remaining three. I um, do too. We could put Rushmore at three, can't, can't we? Please? Please? No, sir. We're, we're at four, correct? I think we're at four. No, no we just we're, did, we're we, at number... We recap again, uh, please, for us. Bottle Rocket, nine, eight, <laughs> Isle of Dogs, seven, The Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou, uh, The Darjeeling Limited... At six, Moonrise Kingdom five, Royal Tenenbaums four, and three. Yeah. Okay. All right. Here's my request. Can we go around the table and list our favorites? Yeah. Can we list our and then whichever one is left? If there's one that's left over, can we put that one at number? Three? I have to like my my favorites include four movies because yeah they're definitively like because yeah yeah I have to say that it's not just those three because Darjeeling Limited is like a new favorite of mine. Okay. I have six favorites. <laughs> cool. <laughs> Dope. <laughs> I mean, Moonrise Kingdom is very, very close. Mm-hmm. So, um, okay, I'm just going to put my chips on the table here. Rushmore is one of my favorite movies ever made. I, I just feel like yeah. really fucking strongly right. about this movie. Yeah, it's and great. I, it's great. I'll tell you this. Yeah. I just think I'll it should yeah. obviously be number one in my opinion. Like, I just think that it changed my life watching that movie. Cool. The movie changed my life. There are two movies on and this list. And I just list. can't put a fucking movie with a talking fox and a fucking concierge higher than that. There are, I'm sorry. Yeah, there are two I'm, movies I'm on sorry. this <laughs> I'm sorry, man. Like, I don't know. But Rushmore is, it's a it's a transcendent movie for me, and I it, no way I'm putting it at number three. I mean... Well, I don't know. Uh, Jabril. No, no chance. Jabril, no chance. What, no, no, no. Jabril. It's not happening. What is your number three? Jabril, Jabril help us out. I'm, I'm curious. Uh, my number three is Budapest Hotel. Ah, I just okay. saw that a couple days ago, so it's still fresh, but... Uh, Excellent. Holy fuck. So, yeah. so funny. So inventive. What a wholly created world and richly defined characters. It's, again, yep. heightened reality, but there's some depth underneath it. And I agree. What a lot of great dark humor. Oh, oh my yeah. God. Um, Goldblum's fucking fingers getting sawed up. How the <laughs> fuck can you not laugh at that, man? <laughs> um, this is the best movie he's ever made. It's my number one with a bullet. Uh, it's a masterpiece. 
It's a fucking mm. masterpiece. It's like a top 20 film of last year, or last decade for me. There's nothing wrong with this movie aside from Edward Norton. I think every, it's, it's the funniest movie he's ever made. I think it's the best looking movie he's ever made. I think there is not a single incorrect decision with the editing. The music is fantastic. It's his best character work by far. Oh my God. I mean, Monsieur Gustave is like the it's best not thing. Than Rushmore. But, yes, it is. <laughs> yes, it is. Yes, it is. I'm sorry. It's, it absolutely is. This is the most well-defined character I think he's ever written. The most notable. I think like if we're talking about like iconography, that character is just like, like just lives, man. It's just, it's just, oh, it's so perfect. I love, I love Ray Fine's performance in this. It's one of my favorite Ray Fine's performances as well, by the way. Mm-hmm. I love Zero. I love that relationship. I even like Saoirse Ronan in the film for the small amount of time she's there. And even just like the supporting character, Adrian Brody rocks as this oh, very yeah. like pathetic villain that is just kind of getting the shit beat out of him. But it's the like, shootout is really good. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. But he's like Defoe. this. Cool, also, oh yeah, Defoe's Defoe in these excellent. movies. Oh my god. Defoe yeah. is just like kind of like muscle though, right? He's kind no. of like the jaws. No. Well, he is, but it's like a, a good use of that character for sure. Yeah. I've always loved him. I always loved his presence. I love what happens to him. It's the funniest thing in the movie <laughs> <Yes>. by far. <laughs> Holy shit, he got him. Well done, Zero. <laughs> my favorite line, I say this all the time. It's like one of my lines now where I look at something and I'm just like, it's a masterpiece. All this other shit is worthless junk. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I, oh God, I love it. Okay. Mm-hmm. My God, what have you done with your fingernails? What, what, what do you mean? This diabolical varnish. Right, the right, the, right, the color right. palette is completely wrong. Oh, really? Don't you like it? It's not that I don't like it. I'm physically repulsed. <laughs> okay, let's let's get the list right now. <laughs> but all that being said, we're putting it at number three. Yeah. Number three, the Grand Budapest Hotel. Do we have to? Make I, me an offer I can't refuse, Adam. It's, well, it's, well, it's his masterpiece, but it's not it his, is his best. masterpiece. Make me make me an offer I can't refuse. Well, I think that's partially why I don't know what's what about the other movies he does better than this one. It's not my personal favorite, but it's by far his best film. I don't even think it's close. Can I tell you guys my top two? Sure. Well, I, I think that's pretty. Rushmore much number one. Part. Rushmore okay. number one. Fantastic Mr. Fox number two. Oh, okay. That's how I would do it. Uh, yeah. Tell me why I'm. I mean, I don't know. Like, what, what, I don't know. I just told you, man. <laughs> Fight for your guy. Make me a deal. Make an offer. Let's go. Let's negotiate. What do you want to negotiate let's, let's on? Let's negotiate. Let's talk. <laughs> on what? Listen, I'm, you know it's me. I haggle. I haggle. I haggle, oh, look, man. What are you trying Adam, to let? Adam, Adam, Nico is bakes, basically Max from Rushmore, so you got to give it to him. Come on. Oh, I see. I <laughs> do love basically. Rushmore. Yeah. I love Rushmore. Yeah. No, yeah. but Re- yeah. no, Rushmore's not nearly as clearly defined. I don't think his, uh, his artistic stamp is on that movie in the way that it is the other ones. It's not the movie... I would even dare, I think, show to people if they want to get a sense of who this guy is. And it's it's certainly not. It's probably the, the one of the best balances in terms of striking like what makes Wes Anderson Wes Anderson. But also maybe if, if you don't find that style particularly, I don't know, appealing, this is an easier one to show to people. I just think if we're talking about like a cinematic experience, it's not all there. It's not nearly as memorable in that way. It's touching for me personally, but mm-hmm. I don't know. As, as far as a movie is concerned, I look for a little bit more painterly qualities. And yeah, Grand Budapest Hotel has that in spades in certainly a way that uh, Rushmore does not. And I've been being honest about the thematic elements of them all. I mean, they're only so strong. I mean, the shit is not... Uh, Tarkovsky okay it's 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 just not so I, I I look at his movies with like a very appealing sense of like thematic substantive material and they all kind of hit similar levels including Rushmore 
Uh, Grand Budapest Hotel, I just think it's a better story, too, if I'm being honest. And also, like, it, it just feels uh, so much more special than Rushmore, in my opinion, in every way. Okay, here's my thought. Yeah. Because Jabril and I agree on the order of the remaining three. None of us put Fantastic Mr. Fox number one. Yep. So uh, I I don't understand why it should be put at number two if we all agree that it's not number one. You know what I'm saying? The one that we are least enthusiastic about collectively, I think should be number three, even though I kind of think Grand Budapest Hotel sucks. But that's oh, so wrong. I have, it, I have it number eight on the list. That's crazy. But that's part of the reason why I find it so frustrating and why I kind of just want to put it at number one. It blows. Dude. Man, you're so wrong. I why do you hate it? What's wrong with it? I don't get it? it. Like, to me, yeah. it seems like the one where all those elements should, like, click. It's clearly what he's been building to. So if you, yeah. well, certainly in yeah. a good way. No, but though. I, uh, I agree with with what you're saying. Yes, yeah. it is the most emblematic of him as a filmmaker. Yes, yeah. it's what he's been building to. Yes, it's his magnus opus. If you like, if you look at the trajectory of his career, sure, this is the natural sort of crescendo. Uh, I just think like you know this should have been stopped long ago. You know. So just mm. killed baby Hitler when we had the chance. Oh now he's allowed to go. keep spreading. Here's the problem, right? Okay. <laughs> the opening of this movie <laughs> where it's like a little girl reading a storybook about something that happened 20 years ago yeah. about a guy reading another storybook, uh, you know, and then the girl goes to the grave site of the author and then we go back to like a, an old zero and then we yes. go even back further to a young zero. Mm -hmm. It's like that right there is the fucking problem. Why? Like, Why? That is, that's a flourish that Wes Anderson thinks is like really quirky and clever. But No, it's, it's basically saying like it's all history. We all end up in the same place one day and we all just end up in yeah, a textbook. I think it's pretty and beautiful. Yeah. I yeah. love that story. I love I I love that history though. It's mm -hmm. great. That that to me is like look at me doing the movie within a movie within a movie within a movie yeah. and it, it to me it just rings like like he thinks he's being clever and he thinks he's being funny and he thinks he's being smart when really it's not that fucking original of a flourish and it's, you're actually wasting our goddamn oh so God. so so and unless he's making a John Cassavetes movie you think it's just a waste of time that's you think the thing, like dude. he's he's getting a little he's getting a little cute and then it's like just fuck just fuck it all right I don't Nico? know I think it's, it's just like, for no reason Nico, it's just a flourish what do you mean for, for no, no reason I think you're full of shit no what are you reason? talking about <laughs> what do you mean it's for no reason I go back to there is such a thing as over directing and and late period Wes Anderson. That's what he does. I mean, what is over directing in, in this sense? What is over? Good, give me an example. My, like my was, bigger well, point. I just gave you an example. Or that's overwriting in one for one. That's why does it not work? For why you? is the, How is that overwrite? Like, I don't. This is the thing I, I keep coming back to. Who cares if it works? Who cares if it works? I think it's great. It's a framing device. It is a great framing device, too. Yeah. I don't know. You guys are missing my point. I don't think I've been I, saying I don't think it for an hour point. and a half now. I don't I, think you just don't no, like I, it. <laughs> no, you I've just, been you saying it for, an, for an, an hour and a half. It's that this dude thinks he's too fucking clever. I mean, that's that's what <sighs> that drives me nuts. Why does why is this that clever? Him using a framing. Him, you, and him using a okay. What? It's Go a ahead. It's a <laughs> no. It's like it's just like a it's fucking stand-up comic, like quoting Kafka at me. It's like oh, this is what? This is like anti-comedy. It's like what the man like just make me laugh just like move him, me. him well, using a funny. literary device is him just it's, wanking it, off it's at, at you it's 
so oh clearly God. indulgent. It's I don't see that at all. Indulgent movies I've ever seen. An this unconventional movie. narrative is indulgent to you. It's just inherently <laughs> indulgent. No, that's but see, that's where I disagree. That's it's that's not, what I'm getting from that, you. It's not that no, it's unconventional. No, no, no. It's not. No, it's no, not. no. The story him framing, is very like, conventional. Him framing the story through three different generations, you feel is indulgent and like purposeless. You feel so. You feel like there's no greater thematic weight to how he's framing the story. You just that think it's all just particular flourish. I think is showing off. Random googly gobbly. I just right? don't think okay. it's that clever. Okay. I think it's a fine, normal, and well-executed framing device yeah. that I've seen before. I don't. It doesn't strike me as overly clever, though. But it works. <laughs> I don't know. Like, where's this like overly clever thing coming? I don't get yeah, it. Yeah, what all. is overly clever? Yeah, I don't I'm understand. Like, what? It, it's good. It just. I'm not saying <laughs> you're trying to act. Can you spend time with these people in your life. No, have you like no. been around enough Wes Andersons to be no. like, God, this read a guy book, motherfucker. No, like, how is, <laughs> fucking watch I've, an Igmar Bergman movie. Get get that's cultured. That's a good point. Yeah. 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 <laughs> <laughs> have you not spent some time with these people in college? Maybe it's because I went to the fucking liberal arts school, and I just because believe it or not. Oh, mm. okay. Let me set the stage. Maybe this will illuminate oh, a little further. Freshman year, liberal arts school in Boston. I the campus is in the theater district of Boston. Well, is it even a theater district? There were like three theaters. I'm not even sure you could call it a district. Uh, the movie theater right down the street from my dorm, and it was the expensive movie theater in the city. It was like the mecca, um, and it would attract a certain crowd. Okay, <laughs> a lot of plaid, a lot of fucking wavy hair. Um, a lot of tea consumption. <laughs> oh my God. A lot of tea consumption. And I saw this movie, I think it was opening night, in the theater with uh, the Westheads. And it just it just colored it for me, man. It just ruined it for me. That's not the movie's fault. You're, you're letting you're letting That's a certain not the movie's subs- fault. Yeah, exactly. You're letting a certain subset of his fan base ruin. You're viewing it through, yeah, your experience with the subset of his fan base here, not the film itself. And we no. know this about Nico, though. He hates fans. Hate he fans. does. He does. Them. Don't like fans. Don't By the fans way. Of things. Stop being fans of things. I'm going to bang the table to press this button. Rushmore's number three. Vito, it's out of whoa, here. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Hey, whoa. What? <laughs> what I'm sick what? of this comment. <laughs> oh, my goodness. Vito's out. I, I have two. Take it. Number three is Rushmore. Fuck off, Nico. That 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 <laughs> argument was the worst thing I've ever heard Absolutely. out of your mouth. <laughs> and that's including the E.T. Blade Runner pod. Jesus Christ, man. You know what? After this conversation, Adam, let's put Fantastic Mr. Fox at number one. Fuck it. I'm let's fine do with it. that. It's my favorite Wes Anderson. Nu- let's go my, nuclear. Let's go. It's my favorite Wes Anderson film. So there you go. Yeah. It's excellent. Yeah. Yes. What's going on here? Is there a mutiny? Yes, yes. <laughs> it seems that way. <laughs> Grand Budapest number two, Fantastic Mr. Fox number one. I love what it. What the hell? I love it. I love it. <laughs> what are we doing? <laughs> Time the fuck out. <laughs> Wait a minute. <laughs> Jabril and I had our list locked in. I didn't. We had it locked in. We agreed. We were about to shut you out. And I decide to extend the olive branch you to gave move me Grand the, Budapest higher? You gave Wait me the mic. Hang on. You gave me the mic. Hang on. <laughs> I extended the olive branch. I said, let's put Fantastic Mr. Fox at number three. I had Grand Budapest number eight. That's wrong. Look at this ranking. It's wrong. I had it at number eight. <laughs> I could have had my way. I, we had it locked in. 
<laughs> but we had it locked in. But it's blasphemy. <laughs> I gave it to you. I was extending the olive branch. Ooh. It's a bad number eight right there. I was moving yeah. it up for you. And now you backstab me like this and put Rushmore number three? That's right. <laughs> by the way, why do vetoes, you know, since when does a veto apply to the list? Since when does it has it? It's, it's <laughs> we're inducting a movie. And I have two of them. Hey, I just I just wasted a veto. I'll say I probably wasted that veto, but God damn it. <laughs> okay, so to clarify. Here's my point, by the way. I think putting... <laughs> what? It is obviously... <laughs> the, the crime of putting uh, um, Grand Budapest at eight is, is much, much worse than obviously, you know, uh, not letting Rushmore be number one. Did I say that right? The crime of putting... I don't know what I said. I saying. didn't put it number eight, though. You did. No. I lost. You just said you did. But, but no, you, but I lost. No, but that's not what I'm saying. You wouldn't put it at number eight if you had your way. You so did, you yeah. him. The crime of putting Grand Budapest at eight is much worse than not letting two. Rushmore at one. That's what I'm saying. And it's I offered to put it number two. What, Rushmore? No, Grand Budapest. I offered to put it at number two. Jabril and I were about to put it at number three. I and I said, you know what? Mind. It sounds like Adam is enthusiastic about Grand Budapest. We're enthusiastic about Rushmore. So therefore, Fantastic Mr. Fox, if this is a collaborative exercise, should be put at number three. Yes. Yes. But Rushmore's number three. <laughs> Goodness gracious. Rushmore. Yep. 1998's Rushmore. Yeah. The, the, I've lost all my notes. I've the, thrown the, the papers <laughs> across the room. Rushmore. 1998. Starring Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, Brian Cox, and Olivia Williams. The extracurricular <laughs> king. The way you're reading is so funny. Of Rushmore Preparatory School <laughs> is put on academic probation. Uh, excellent movie. I've, I've, I've said all It's an excellent I've, movie. That's all I have to say. I love these three. That's all I have to say. I love I love. made me cry. I just think it's like an incredible film. Yeah, it's it did make me cry, but it's a really good movie. It's just an incredible movie. Let's redeem Nico here. Nico, Tell us, tell us your relationship with uh, Rushmore. How, how did, how did, yes. did it affect you the first time? Yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, uh, Jason Schwartzman character is very much like myself. I think I'll give you that. Like, I, mm -hmm. I was definitely like, uh, you know, one of those type A personalities in high school, kind of like a, a sad, more pathetic Tracy Flick. Uh, I think that's how I compared uh, that character uh, uh uh, last time to to uh, Reese Witherspoon in Election. Yeah, I, uh, I I think like Bill Murray here. This sort of kicks off the Bill Murray Renaissance, mm. sort of the comeback yeah, tour with true. him. Uh, you know, sort of serious Bill Murray, dramatic Bill Murray. This is the first time it happens. It's it's no wonder why Bill Murray has starred in every single Wes Anderson movie since. Uh, they've sort of become tied at the hip. I don't think we have Lost in Translation without this movie, for example. Um, mm -mm. You know, any of the Sofia Coppola collaborations, I mean, was all made possible mm. because he was cast in this. Um, Jim Jarmusch, yeah. Yeah, the Jim Jarmusch collaborations, yeah. Um, kind of proved that he could go there. And, like, mm -hmm. that character to me is just one of the great creations of the of 90s cinema. Uh is just really good at like playing a man child in this. And that's sort of what he plays a man child. And, and yes, uh, Schwartzman is playing a character that's the opposite, right? That's like a child that thinks like he's a sophisticated adult that knows things about life. And it's, you know, I, I've said this a lot too. Like, I think like the best Wes Anderson movies are the ones whose quirk 
derives from the characters rather than the direction. And I, I think that's what I appreciated so much about this movie. Wes Anderson doesn't insert himself too much here. I mean, there are some stylistic flourishes, but ultimately this is about like two pretty troubled people. Yep. Um, and I just, I love that relationship. I, 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 I love all of, all of this movie. There's nothing about this movie that I don't love. Uh, so tender, so sweet and groundbreaking, right? Groundbreaking movie. A, is a, it? Yeah. An industry shaping movie for yeah. sure. Okay. One of, one of many at that time. Yeah. Indeed. Yeah, but I would, I would agree. I would say it's a little, it's in the shuffle. I'm not sure it like sticks out to me as a groundbreaking film, but maybe silently. Sure. If it really? This is the Wes Anderson I Have Arrived movie, right? Like the first one was yeah. a, a massive bomb and this one is, you know, won a bunch of awards and, you know, it was a big festival hit. Like, yeah. Do you and, guys feel like the film lets off the uh, the Max character a bit too easy? Because he's a fucking sociopath. Yeah. Place, I, well, I'll just that's say. The other, the, the, <laughs> as much as I love this movie, yeah, there there uh, is yeah. definitely that. I, I, I tend to agree with you. He's only, you know, I don't even necessarily want to see this character succeed in the end. You know, I don't think a lot of his pursuits are the most noble for sure. I mean, that's the point, but yeah, mm-hmm. to a degree, I think like where they leave him off in the movie, you think like, yeah, maybe this guy should have been thrown in prison. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Cause I know that this character and Anderson has stated that this is, this is a, uh, semi-autobiographical version of him. So he literally does insert himself in the film. I think but... it was set in his hometown, right? Oh yeah. Houston area. Film there. Yeah, definitely. Mm-hmm. Yeah. No, I think there's a lot of that in there, and it, it feels yeah. like his most personal. And yeah, I mean, I, if my one criticism of Wes Anderson is that he's too cold and too removed, like this movie is just like told from within, right? Like this is just like the most personal and tender. And um, yeah, I just, I, I just think it's one of the great movies ever made. I, oh wow! Yeah, I, what I a, what what a fucking what a debut from Schwartzman! Holy shit! Oh, well, that's he's great. Thing. Yeah, he's fantastic. I mean. I mean, it's like I, he's he's a part of the Coppola family, but like you don't you don't know right out of the gate that this guy's going to be like one of the greats, and he just fucking knocks it out of the park. He is so nuanced, so empathetic, so funny, dryly funny. He's just wow. Yeah, when yeah. you look at him, you don't think this guy can be an actor either. No, it's one of the things I appreciate about his right. performance is just the fact that he came on the scene the way that he did with a movie like this. Kind of a perfect performance at the perfect point in his life too. If he were playing any other kind of character, I'm not sure it would have worked nearly as well. But it's great. Uh yeah, I'm hurt by this. <laughs> I'm hurt by your veto. <laughs> Sorry. Yeah. Um. It was, so why did why did you have it number one, Jabril? I just saw this recently and it kind of knocked me on my ass. It's yeah. yeah, just like you. I just I <laughs> truthfully I do see some of some of myself in this Max character. Uh, I've I think around his age, I was a bit of a moody kind of spiteful person. Uh-huh. And I, I definitely see some of myself in the Max character, but I just, I, yeah, uh, it, it's Schwartzman. It's, it's the dynamic between him, and Murray, and the, the teacher. It's, it's, yeah, it's just wonderful. I see a I'd, tremendous amount of myself in Max. Yeah, it's the, the character of all of his movies that I probably relate to the most, <laughs> which is not necessarily a good thing. But uh, yeah, yeah, this is one of those instances where it's like, oh, he just wrote me. <laughs> yeah yeah it, th- isn't that funny that we all because we're all pretty different people too and it's kind of yeah. funny that we all sort of overlap in that mm-hmm. I, I didn't obviously have <laughs> this kind of relationship with my teachers in high school but i i did sort of find myself you know 
trying to be taken seriously. I think that was one of like my major anxieties as a as a kid is mm. that I always felt like I was too cool for school and I was always like more mature and and you know smarter than all of my peers and and you know I I definitely could have seen myself getting in a scenario like Jason Schwartzman gets into in this movie. Uh yeah, the the sort of just like kid one day like you'll have a seat at the big boy table but not yet. And I just I I hearing variations of that over the years has always sort of like grinded my gears. Yep. Um mm-hmm. so yeah, that whole love triangle if you want to call it a love triangle is like yeah, I think kind of heartbreaking. Um and then on the other side of it, you have this Bill Murray character that's like really tragic. And I also feel like I have a part of that in me, too. Like, there's a part of me that's like, when, am I, when are you going to grow up, kid? Like, what's going <laughs> to Are you just going to like sit on the fucking diving board staring into a pool for fucking, you know, 40 years of your life in the backyard? Um, yeah, it's a great movie. It's just great. It's a classic. Yeah. It's unbelievable. Um, <laughs> but there it is at number three on the list. Yeah, it's great. <laughs> All right. Number two, I guess I've lost all control. There's a mutiny on the bounty, so yeah. you guys do whatever you want. I don't give a shit anymore. Yeah, yeah, I have. I would. I mean, I would always have Grand Budapest at number one or number two. I mean, it, it depends on my emotional state, honestly. For this pot, I had it at number one, but I have no issue putting it at number two. So, by the way, the one that is left over will be inducted into the movie hall of fame. Yeah, yeah. Well, I don't know. <laughs> I mean, again, Grand Budapest would be my number two in this particular case. But uh-huh. Jabril, go ahead. We're at number two. Uh, I love, I really love Fantastic Mr. Fox. Just saw that recently as well. Um, yeah, it's just one of his best films. It's it's nearly perfect in almost yeah. every way. No, this now this is the, the, again to rope back around to Edward Norton's problem in these movies is that I'm going to take anything away from Grand Budapest. It's the fact that Edward Norton is in it playing the character he does. Yep. I mean, to me, virtually everything else about the movie is flawless. Uh, but the good thing about this one is that, hey, guess what? Edward Norton's not in it. And <laughs> so it has a chance for it to be a nearly perfect uh, Wes Anderson film. And yeah, I would call it the pretty perfect movie. I don't have a single thing wrong with this. I think it's the funniest the movie next to Grand Budapest. It could be funnier than Grand Budapest Hotel, honestly. Uh, I think the character work is fantastic. I think the animation's beautiful. I think the storytelling is sharp and on point and, and never misses a beat. Uh, also feels like a movie that is best suited for uh, uh, Wes Anderson. I feel like his style is perfect for this type of story, this type of animation, everything. Uh, feels like, it, it strangely feels like the kind of movie he was always born to make in many ways, even though yeah. you wouldn't think that for just an adaptation of Roald Dahl. I mean, and it's interesting if you've ever read that book because the book fits inside of this movie there's actually a tremendous amount more story that the movie adds onto the book so uh it's a sort of an interesting adaptation in, a, in that way but also a not very faithful adaptation so i guess i appreciate that but i don't really care is there the class commentary because like i i don't know I'm, I'm sure there is something here about capitalism some people have said like this is quasi story about how capitalism divides and destroys people and forces them to pit each other against each other yeah is that in the book or do you think that's more fleshed out in the film would you say more fleshed out in the film i mean the the book is a is a children's novel Mm -hmm. you know you could derive that from it the but it definitely has the the book's sense of humor so Mm -hmm. there's that uh but i'm not sure the book is getting at anything much deeper than farmers want to 
kill a fox and this and this fox is able to outwit these stupid farmers basically well think about okay. Clooney too in this movie he's kind of an asshole yeah he is <laughs> you know that doesn't Mr. Fox is a dick this is another he's a movie swindling <laughs> dick about these like like troubled I guess you could say patriarchy figures that take their family in very odd directions yeah yep. all right so your official vote for number one for number one is what I guess it has to be I mean my pick would be I guess Vote. You have two options. Pick one. <sighs> I mean, yeah, Fantastic Mr. Fox is my favorite. So, Fantastic Mr. Fox is my pick. Jabril? Fantastic Mr. Fox. Congratulations to Fantastic Mr. Fox. I'm okay using my veto to swap Grand Budapest to put it at three, put Rushmore at number two. Would that make you feel a little better? You want to do that, Nico? Yeah. So that it's not... So that's over Grand Budapest. It's adjacent will, to number one. Then yeah. I will give you my veto, your veto back if you'll let me do that. To put it at number two, yeah. Okay, Grand what? Uh, Rushmore. Rushmore. Yeah, we can do that. That's fine. It's a fair that? trade. Yeah. yeah, take it back here. Okay, there you go. <laughs> so you're giving me back my veto. Because <laughs> you seem very hurt by this. Very much so. All right, so it's number two. Okay, uh, so I think we basically talked Grand Budapest Hotel to death, right? Um, the story, of course, was inspired by the writings of Stefan Zwig, an Austrian uh, writer, a novelist. Um, I gotta look a, into that. That seems yeah. like a fascinating guy. Yeah. It was the winner of Best Costume Design, Makeup and Hairstyling, Original Score, and Production Design at the Academy Awards. This thing was a, a fucking machine yeah. at the 2014 Oscars. I was also nominated for Best Picture, Director, Cinematography, Editing, and Original Screenplay. Um and the whole, the whole cast that's normally in these movies is in these movies. Nope. Yeah, I I uh, I understand that in general that uh, Grand Budapest is considered the magnus opus and uh, yeah, yeah, fair enough. We'll put that at number three, and then Fantastic Mr. Fox are inducting into the Movie Hall of Fame. Number one, again, co-written by Noah Baumbach. That movie, yeah. starring Clooney, Meryl Streep, Jason Schwartzman, Bill Murray, Willem Dafoe, and Owen Wilson nominated for Best Original Score and Animated Feature at the Oscars. And Urbane Fox cannot resist returning to his farm, raiding ways, and then must help his community survive the farmer's retaliation. Uh, yeah, I mean, in terms of claymation, it doesn't get any better than this. Uh, it's incredibly animated. Uh, there was a, uh, I think, infamous argument that we had a couple of years ago about talking foxes and whether or not they should take the shape of humans. I stand behind that take, but I will allow you to go back and explore that podcast for yourself if yeah. you want to torture yourself with that debate. Uh, yeah, I think this is a really good movie, and I, I, in many ways, confirms my suspicion that Wes Anderson should have always been making animation because no one does it quite like he does it. Yep. Yep. Gabriel, any other thoughts about that one? Uh, again, God tier Will- Willem Dafoe. He's a secret weapon in his films. He's <laughs> always great. Y'all are trespassing now illegally. <laughs> <laughs> you look like an angel, darling. <laughs> what is God? I love everything that comes out of that fucking rat's mouth. Really mm-hmm. creepy. Yeah, really, really creepy. Uh, but yeah, no, this movie's fantastic uh, no pun intended I honestly did not mean to do that I'm sorry <laughs> uh, yeah but I also just like the heart of this movie too I like what they put their characters through surprisingly so I think when I saw it I expected it to be a stupid kids film and I was utterly floored by how good it actually was how strangely mature it can be and I just think I, I don't think I was expecting the the movie to present the idea that this guy might have to sacrifice his own life to save his family at a certain point 
I'm like, oh my god, this is not just a kids' film, is it? It's you know, it's something a little more heartfelt and personal, and you know, powerful than that, I guess. Uh, it's just the movie that fills me with the most joy, I guess. I, I relate more to Rushmore, but you know, this is the movie that I watch, and it just helps me out personally a little bit more, you know, and sometimes in ways that I can't even explain. So it's a great yeah. blanket. It's like a, it's like a yeah. nice blanket. Yeah. It's a good fall movie. Yeah. No, it's, <laughs> yeah, yeah. It is. I mean, and the entire <laughs> color palette is just fall, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. I can't stress enough though. Like I've already said it, but this movie is really hilarious. I really oh just my God, it's yeah. just the funniest shit you know? mm-hmm. for a lot of the same reasons that I find Grand Budapest Hotel funny. It's, That's it's... bad songwriting, Petey. <laughs> you wrote a bad song, Petey. <laughs> that is the funniest <laughs> fucking thing. That's just weak songwriting. <laughs> <laughs> But this this is a point because because we're talking about his humor, like the way he edits his movies, there is this there can sometimes be. a. I mean, obviously, his movies are offbeat, but you can really feel that with the way he crafts his jokes sometimes. Mm-hmm. And in this one and also particularly in Grand Budapest Hotel, it's just snappy and on point. And every joke comes exactly when it needs to and goes out exactly when it needs to. I just love everything about the way this movie is crafted together. So it's also a wonderful screenplay. So, yeah, I'm a big, 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 big fan of this one. Yeah, yep. it's the most certainly the most important entry for me personally. So. Yeah. Okie dokie, then. Uh, <laughs> can we read down this list from nine to one, please, Adam Hall? All right. Nine to one. Bottle Rocket. Isla Dogs. Life Aquatic with Steve Zissou. The Darjeeling Limited. Moonrise Kingdom. The Royal Tenenbaums. Grand Budapest Hotel at three. Rushmore at number two. Fantastic Mr. Fox number one. there we go there we go i'm okay with it it's not a bad list dude i'm i'm okay with it you should be okay all right (laughs) i can't believe you think you're the best that does that shitty (laughs) that is so low man blasphemy i i did not come into this thinking fantastic mr fox would be our winner but um yeah i think listen democracy is about compromise right sure Woof! wow also by the way more of a wes anderson film to me than rushmore i will give it that too you have to admit mm-hmm. a little more wes anderson which is kind of what we're looking for there it is so um okay there's another one coming too that's the other I was, thing I, I was just about to say i'm coming back in a couple of weeks for the french dispatch <laughs> they will never stop yeah, they will ne- never stop. A new will- one is being filmed right now, so get <laughs> ready, one, Nico. Yeah, that's right. Yeah. There's another one. Yeah, I yeah. will admit I was not uh, enamored by the trailer for French Dish. It looks so. insufferable. <laughs> it looks like a fucking disaster. Yeah. But even your boy Timmy, you're not excited to see your boy Timmy make his debut. I'm always like- excited to see Timmy in anything. Who's mm. boy? Adam's boy or my boy? No, Nico's boy. I thought he was your boy. He's playing Bob Dylan, so I figured he's. I'm excited your- to see him as Bob Dylan. I don't mm. think Nico likes. Timothy Chalamet anymore. I'm getting a little sick of his act. Oh shit! Okay, I'm, get, I'm getting tired of. Him is it just because he's doing Dune? Is that no, the only- <laughs> no? It's. Uh, Do you hate the fan base surrounding him? Do you hate the inter- internet boyfriend of a of him? Yeah. yeah, that's part of it. Uh, yeah, coming, I just don't. He's coming down on the fans again. I don't love the choices that he's making. To be honest with you, why? I don't. They're I don't great. love some. Of, I don't love some of acting choices. choices or just the choice of parts that he's yeah the taking. choice of parts I just feel like he you know I think like the, the Dylan thing is is exciting and interesting mm-hmm. like I think like that's what a young sort of movie star should be doing um yeah I don't know we'll mm-hmm. see maybe Dune will be great I was actually less enthused about that one strangely because it's a very obvious like movie star pick you know you go and play a, 
a, a famous musical artist. Yeah, but yeah. rarely do you hear the casting and it's like, that is so perfect. Like, it's like, that makes total sense. Like, the look, the vibe, the whole thing. Um, I felt that way about we'll Joaquin for Johnny Cash. Yeah, certainly. So. Well, same same director, right? It's, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Um, so... Yeah, so there's another one coming. We'll have to add it to the power rankings at some point. But for now, I think that's a pretty good place to leave it. Yeah. Uh, you know what's going to be coming in the future? Yes. Well, but the, speaking of Timothy Chalamet, by the time Wonka comes out, I think we're going to have to do a Roald Dahl film list. Roald Dahl is my favorite author, so. Is that right? I love Roald Dahl. Love him, love him, love him. I've read too many of his books. Dark Man. Yeah. Bright sense mm-hmm. of humor, though. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Uh, do we really want to do a Wonka pod? <laughs> it's not going to be just a Wonka pod. I mean, there's the witches. There's, well. Oh, God, I don't want to do. I do not want to talk witches. The witches is some... fucking lit. Oh, man. The new one? No, the old one, man. Angelica Houston. I never saw that one. Nicholas Rogue. Yeah. Really? Fuck yeah. Yeah. Oh, I never saw that one. That one's traumatizing. Holy shit. Nicholas Rogue did the witches? One of his last films, I think. Yeah, I have had no idea. Nicholas Rogue. Do not oh, that, look up any photos. You gotta. It's a surprise when you see the witches for the first time. So that's amazing. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that would be a good one. That should be a good category to do. It's very Roald Dahl. The films are interesting, though. They're not always hits, though. That's the no. that's the thing. Well, we already just let one in, so we did. Yeah, that's true. It's <laughs> oh, one of shit. his. It's one of the best. <laughs> Guess we can't do that anymore. So. Um, yeah, we'll see. Um, okay. That'll do it. Uh, I love you all so very, very much, despite what it might sound like. This was fun. I'm glad we did it. Jabril, thank you for coming on. Thank you for recommending this. Always a um, pleasure. Yep. And uh, I hope to see you in about three years. Next. <laughs> I'll be back soon enough, you fuckers. Gonna- Next week. Yeah. Uh, We're talking Dune. We're going to do Dune? It's happening. Next week? When? when what do you mean? As soon as we see the movie, we're talking about it. We're talking Dune. As soon as we see, I'm seeing that movie in less than a week. Yes. Yeah. Wow. Right. Yeah. We, yeah. Will, we will discuss Dune next week. Yeah. On the show. What and, about that wasn't clear? No, well, I, I don't know. Why am I confusing you? I don't know. Is the movie you want to do it on that out? Thursday? No, I don't know. Whatever. Okay. Next week we're doing Dune. We're going to have Nick on? Yes. All right. Where have you been? Aren't you a co-host on the show? I don't know. Who, who the fuck are you? Dude, I didn't know we made these plans. Yes, <laughs> we made these plans already. <laughs> Dune's coming next week. Afterwards, I don't know, but we're talking Dune next week, so be around for that. Uh, it's a big show. It's a very important show for Adam coming next week. Oh yeah, interesting though. Ends at the Jameis fight. They finally decided to hey, they're going to end it at the fight with Jameis. So that's interesting. Jameis Winston. No, Jameis the Fremen. <laughs> you fuck. Yeah, ends directly after. Quarterback of the New Orleans That'll Saints. That'll be weird. Well, Jameis? His yeah. name is Jameis? I'm sorry to spoil it for people, but yes, the new Dune ends right after Paul fights Jameis. So that, that'll be weird. So. Right after Tom hit. Brady replaced him as quarterback? Tom Brady is actually the That's new... That's the moment where the it new stops? Mahdi, the Muad'Dib, the Kwisatz Haderach. <laughs> yes. Lisan Al-Gaib. Jameis? The Jameis fight? Yeah, the Jameis fight. I'll be watching a Jameis <laughs> fight this versus Sunday, Jameis? but not... <laughs> <laughs> Who do the Saints play this week? That's my dream. <laughs> uh, <laughs> I love you so very, very much. Uh, until next time. Uh, I don't know. She was shaking like a shitting dog. Right?